Hi, this is Nick Dragata of East of West, and you're listening to the 11 O'Clock Comics Podcast. <laughs> I think you were on the mark. Oh, yeah. It's special occasion. Very special occasion, yeah. Super duper special. I got good, good tonight. I always want to say, well, don't spill the beans, but if they're clicking on it, they know who's on because they can see oh, it we right had this there. Discussion. Not yeah. everybody reads the show notes. Some people, it downloads to their device yeah, and they I just know. click play. And it's this crazy internet. Nothing's ever a surprise. Oh, true. true. Absolutely true. I got some good books to talk about after the thing. A word? Yeah. It's nice. One has definitely has to find a way onto my 11 o'clock screws. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And, and I think there's only two things on your list. There's four. <laughs> oh, well, oh, you changed it? You changed it since we started? No, I updated it before. There's more than two. Look at that. There's four. Um. Okay, well, one of them I plan on reading uh, this weekend. I didn't get to do it yet. Well, I don't give a one shit. One of them I'm not going to because I'm not a fan of the creative team. What did you say? I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, why would you give a shit? Which one are you going to read? Uh, the uh, Frankenstein. Oh, well, that's it's, it's great. Yes, it's great. The other one. That's, um, that's the one, one that's going to. Two of the things we read, and the other one I have no interest in because the creative team does nothing for me, but I'm looking forward to hearing you right talk about then. it. Well, that's not what I'm going to talk about then. I'm talking about the one on the bottom. And we're starting from the bottom. Now we're here. This is 11 o'clock comics episode. What up, Aubrey? Yay, 622. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. And you're not giving a shit, and you're cursing in your art and everything, and I'm David A. Price. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing a lot of facts being thrown out by both of you. And speaking of facts, I am, of course, Manhead. <laughs> you are Manhead, but that that total facts, I'm hearing a lot of facts. That was very cumbersome. I just want to let you know. I love the talk. Yeah, it wasn't smooth. No, you are not Manhead. You're chasing goddamn wood, everybody in the house. Yeah, it's a fact. It is. Here's another fact I'll throw at you. If you would like to get your comics and collectibles for the absolute lowest price possible, there's really only one place to go, and that's Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. One more time, DCB as in boy, Service.com gets you everything you want from the previous catalog for a fraction of the price, such as, well, from Image, there's a series coming up called Copra. Wow, what a coincidence that I would choose that for our spotlighted specials. It's the series premiere. Copra returns in the first issue of its all-new ongoing series, all caps. Acclaimed comics auteur, very true, Michel Fife picks up where his band of mercenary misfits left off, reintroducing the entire cast of his Suicide Squad-esque revenge machine into a brutal standoff against their own leader. Bum, bum, bum. It's three ninety nine, but not for you. You can have it for $1.99. Over at Dark Horse, they're cooking up Count Crowley, the Reluctant Monster Hunter, number one of four miniseries created by David Dasmalchian with art by Lucas Kettner. What? It's a three ninety nine cover, $1.99 your price, and the cover is magnificent. It speaks to all 
uh, we fans of the horror hosts and the Saturday monster double feature and the late night monster movie, that's what you're going to get here. And I think it looks pretty damn good. And from DC, last but not least, we have The Last God, number one. It's a fantasy thing with a map created by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Ricardo Federici. So you know it's going to be beautiful and others. And it's uh, $1.99. That's 50% off the $3.99 cover price. What? Are you crazy? You don't want to spend a whole lot on your books. So where do you go? Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. Do it. (laughs) I'm all done. I'm all done. Respect. Thanks. Hey, two quick shout-outs. What? Yeah, quick shout-outs real quick. Uh, Well, you just did the DCBS, so a happy birthday, which was this week, for Mr. Cameron Merkler. Yes, One half of Team DCB Service, along with his awesome wife. Uh, So, yeah, it's his birthday. Uh, And then also, shout-out to one of our absolute longest-running and most consistent supporters and, and, and friends on his nuptials. Mr. Cameron Hathaway married his beautiful bride in Paris. No, how about that yes. shit? Right? Yep. Doing it right, like a boss. Yeah. So at the yeah, taking care of business. But uh, much uh, congrats to the to the lovely and quite fetching couple. Oh yeah, I I was I figured that the the wedding invitations probably got lost in the mail a little bit or something because I would be the first one on a plane to Paris. Hell yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, uh, it was great. I it looked it phenomenal. <laughs> Wait, what? You weren't there. No, I wasn't there, you clown. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, congratulations, Cam. Big time. You yes. heard. Live long and prosper. Both of you. Oh, that's right. So, um, I guess I'll go first on the drink roll call. Why break tradition? Yeah, the beer that shall not be named. So... Mm. Yeah, what you got, David? Uh, now, because I finished the glass of Line 39, Cabernet Sauvignon, while we had our guest on, uh, I am enjoying some very nice and chilled and refreshing Soda Stream seltzer. What? Which sets it up for Jason. Right. Yeah. Wow. I am drinking a delicious uh fresh from the cold springs of poland (laughs) in maine (sighs) this water tastes like kielbasi (laughs) (laughs) kielbasi water wow yeah i had to have at least one glass for the show since we weren't totally since it's not uh 11 o'clock teetotalers yeah right well um, we should go right into the interview because it's a barn burner. Yeah. It's yeah. a it was wonderful, awesome. wonderful time. Yeah. Um, hopefully you'll come back and listen to us, but this was, this was absolutely one of my favorite times to have a guest on. Damn, look at you. Yeah. It was fun. Very it introspective was. too. And we went into it. Well, I don't know why I'm detailing it for you. You're going to listen to it right now. Yeah. I'm a big dumbass. So without further ado, um, here's our interview with the wonderful, Michelle Fife. And when it's done, stick around because there's going to be a chunk more. We we just can't hit it and quit it. We <laughs> we have to overstay our welcome every time. That should be latest. It's true. Yeah. All right. We've been at this for 
longer than a decade, and our guest tonight is long overdue. File this episode under uh, better late than never. We have celebrated this gentleman's work uh, for almost as long as the show has been in existence. In fact, I think we met him probably like two or three years into doing the show. And um, he is one of the, I think, the great creative minds in the biz today. And uh, you all know him from, we probably most recently celebrated his G.I. Joe Sierra Muerte. He also did Rob Liefeld very proud. And, uh, of course, the thing that you all are hoping we're here to talk about tonight is his magnum opus, his creator-owned masterpiece, we call it Copra, and I am very pleased to finally have in the fourth chair, after uh, all this time, Mr. Michel Fife. Welcome. What's up, guys? 11 o'clock comics podcast. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. It's been a we're while. We're so happy to have you. Uh, we're overjoyed to yeah. have you. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's my first time on the show, but I, I've known you guys for a while, so Definitely. yeah, it's yeah. long overdue, for sure. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So welcome, finally. Awesome. Now you said uh, better late than never. Uh, that kind of perfect, perfectly captures um, Copra in a weird way because I still get like new readers just discovering it, like just days ago even, and they just kind of hop on board, and it's just kind of a, a cool. It's a cool thing to 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 know that it's that still happens, you know. So yeah, I don't know. That's kind of like the the perfect coda. I guess. There you go. I think you're going to get new readers for a, a long time to come because speaking just for myself, obviously that first issue is like a sea change. Uh, as, as soon if you're a reader of traditional superhero comics, like from the big two, and you read that first issue of Copra, it's, it's like, it's a piff, it's an epiphany because it's so <laughs> different. It's so unique. The, the approach is unlike most books out there and it's like i i this is what i said i need more of this this that's is the awesome. way they all should be done you know that's great yeah. that first one's a that you know holds a very special place because i was me figuring it out you know so this is like i gotta i, I gotta go for it this is my one shot um and after that that's kind of where i developed the concept of you know doing it for a year or past a year you know so that first one's really like uh I don't know. It's really special for me. So seeing it in the, the, the new edition that Image just put out for a buck, it's kind of cool to kind of revisit it. Yeah. Well, that comment blows me away that you were just, you know, finding your way with this issue. Because to me, it reads like a very carefully calculated uh, work of sequential art. I mean, it, from the cover right on in the cover, especially if, if you're not blown away with, from that cover, like, I don't know, you, you, you've been sequestered yeah. for a long time. It just seems, I, I, I took a look at the cover and I'm like, he, he's saying something with this cover because it's so striking. And, and the, with the skull, with the devil shrapnel piercing the forehead, was that a conceptual statement or did you just think it looked cool for the cover? A little bit of both. I mean, I wanted, I definitely wanted something simple and striking. Uh, that's why I used mostly primary colors on the first few issues. I just wanted mm -hmm. things to pop out on the stands. And that's, that's really how I cultivated this series as, as a book for the Wednesday crowd. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't want to be an indie book. I didn't want to be a small press book, but I was, I couldn't really escape that. That was just the circumstance, but that's why it's the standard format. It's a 24 page comic. It's, you know, it's a serialized action comic, so cliffhangers and subplots and all those uh, tropes of the genre had to be in there. And 
the thing is the when I say I was figuring it out, it's I wasn't really making comics like that prior to that. You know, even though I grew up with those comics and I read those kind of comics, I wasn't making those kind of comics. So this was my 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 debut into that world or or me setting foot into that world on my own terms, right? Um because yeah, this kind of book where they just let uh one person do everything, that's not really that common. That's more of an indie world thing, you know? Right. Uh, so that's why I said that was me just kind of figuring things out in that respect. But story-wise and thematically, I was just tapping into all the stuff I love, you know? So that came a little bit more organically as well. So, so yeah, and that boils down to the cover. I just wanted a cool-looking cover, really. Right. And, it, and the shrapnel pierces the brain, which says to me that this is going to blow your mind. This is going to be unlike anything you've read. And I just, I, I think conceptually, graphically, uh, it's just an amazing, amazing cover. And I'm glad that you went with that for the first one because it sets the tone for everything to follow. It's, it just, it's mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. Moving, I mean, that's really where it starts too for the whole story. Everything that happens afterwards is a direct result of what happens in those first 24 pages. And I, I have written some, you know, flashback stories here and there just to flesh out a couple things. But I try not to do that too much. It's all forward momentum. I just kind of want to, there's a larger story to tell and I got to cover it all as quickly as I can. So, you know, that, that also speaks to what I try to do issue by issue. You know, I don't really do the decompression thing. I, I try to just jam pack every issue as much as I can without it feeling clogged. You know, I don't, I don't want to make it so dense that it's uncomfortable and unfun to read and experience. But I do want to pack a lot in there. You know what I mean? I just want to give people their money's worth. You totally do. Yeah, I mean, I think that's evident for sure. I, I you know, I still don't quite remember because um, because I didn't hear about the series until a few issues in, and um, I probably but, told them. Yeah, you know, you might have. Yeah. It, it might have. Yeah, um, it probably was you. In fact, I'm sure it most likely would be. Um, but you. Um, the the first issue came out what in 2012 is that right? Yeah, late uh, about November. November okay, 2012. Yeah. Yeah. So so you've mentioned that you 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 read you grew up reading these comics like a lot of us, but you weren't making comics like this. So mm-hmm. what um like what was the 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 impetus for doing this other than just you felt like the urge to did you try to like get in with the the marvel dc scene and and were rebuffed or, or was it just never a path and you thought oh, now i want to make my own thing i'm just curious about that i don't know the early germinations of what led to you putting out Cobra because we met shortly after you you were already putting the book out well i mean it, it dates back to me trying to break in as a teenager just okay. sending out samples to marvel and dc and just about any company i could think of but also liking independent comic books and doing my own thing and making zines and stuff hand stapled pamphlet comics and just trying to, you know, put my own stuff out there. So I was very much in love with both extremes of this world. Right. And, um, and just growing up still wanting to be a cartoonist, like as a career, you know, and, and by that, I mean like getting into Marvel or DC and I made some, you know, I made some headway in that world. You know, I worked in every aspect of comics at one point or another, and I was a freelancer basically, but I wasn't, but it wasn't a career, right? It was kind of a a side thing. Mm -hmm. And even though I self-published Zagus, which was my previous title that came out maybe once a year. Um, And I would work on, you know, I would interview people. I would go to conventions. I would uh, still do zines. I would do web comics. I would do everything. 
And I kind of wanted to set a template where I could pay my bills every month. So I would make a monthly comic, you know, that was just sort of, um, that, that made sense to me. Right. But I can't do that with an indie book or I didn't think I could. So Mm -hmm. I just really tapped into, okay, well, what are the things I like to draw? What are the themes I would like to explore? What's the blueprint I could work off of and old eighties, DC comics or Marvel comics or, or old seventies underground comics or, or newer independent comics. It's all one big world to me. And I, and I kind of tap into that world for inspiration. So I'm like, if I could just tap into that on a monthly schedule and not get burnt out, not get sick of it and actually produce something that people would want to get awesome. And that's kind of, that's what Copra is. That's where Copra came from that just need to, to have something month in month out and something hopefully at least visually exciting for people to grab onto and, or story-wise, you know, I just needed to, to create something that would, um, that would allow for that sort of expansion month in month out. But it all came from my desire to do all sorts of comics. Uh, and like I mentioned before, I don't think I, I, I would do that even if I pitched it to a smaller publisher, you know, if I, if I made a pitch about Copra, um, I don't think it would work. Honestly, I don't, I think people would kind of read the treatment and not know what to do with it. I, I think it's, so I, therefore I had to do it myself, right? I had to self publish it and sort of prove that it could exist and what the thing would even look like. Um, and I couldn't have done that in any other situation, you know, for any big company or smaller company. So it, it had to exist, but it had to come from me directly. Sure. Right. Well, I think it's a good time now because we were talking uh, before we started recording about uh, Copra being a completist nightmare because of the various various iterations uh, around the book. And so you can incorporate like the history of your uh, foray into self-publishing to the point where Copra is now. I mean, if you want to go down that road, because I'm sure there are a lot of people – Getting into Copra, it's like where 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 did all this start? What do I need to complete my Copra set? You know, and um, right. we can go into that a little bit. Well, I mean, I well, you know, ideally when I write these stories, I kind of come from an old school. Everyone's comic is everyone's first comic. Thank you. You know what I mean? Like, what what's that term? Like everyone's you know, every comic, comic is someone's first. Someone's first, potentially, yes. right? So I try to write in that regard, but also. I got to be true to the, to the story. So I don't want to, I try not to pander too much. I I try not to, you know, drown everything in exposition. But, um, so on that level, I try to make it as appealing as possible just in case anyone stumbles upon issue. I don't know, 17, if a buddy has book number three and they might lend it out, they could read it and understand it and maybe get hooked and maybe go backwards the way I go backwards, you know, like some, that's what I do. I've discovered comics that way. And I've, I got to go hit the bins. And, For sure. That's how we all were, right? Start shop. Right. Yeah. Right. So the nature of that sort of hunt mm-hmm. is sort of built into Copra, but not by design really. I mean, because in the beginning I only printed up say 400 copies because that's all I could afford. Right. And I had no idea that it was going to do what it was going to do. You know, I, I was, I was hoping it got to issue six you know, so it just, I started self-publishing the book little by little, then it grew. And then Bergen Street Comics stepped in yeah. when I could no longer afford to up my print run or or keep keep track of that stuff because I was busy making the book. They stepped in and made the compendium, the first three issues. Yep. And then I kept going. So 
that means a second compendium and then a third. And then they're like, well, we might as well put out bigger, like official books, official trade paperbacks. And so that led to like a different version to collect. So it, it could be a collector's nightmare, but to me, it's really just about expanding it, making, making it as accessible, as available as possible. And for years we beat that drum, man. Just even getting into diamond was, was a huge thing for us. It was a big deal. And that's why when I said earlier, you know, it's never too late to jump on the bandwagon because it really isn't, you know, like people are still discovering it, even though to me, I, I've been doing it forever. You know, it's been my world essentially. So I, I welcome it. I think it's great. But when I, when you scale it back and you think about the collectors, it's like, Oh yeah, that, I, I guess that is <laughs> um, a challenge to find all the early, early uh, editions of all that stuff only right. because, you know, not many exist. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I remember, Years ago, once we were fully on board with the series and had discussed it at length, I have the compendiums, which I actually got from Bergen Street. But again, I didn't have the issues, as you said, because they were already long gone. And, you know, on our show, we have amazing listeners. And generally, if one of us puts out the siren song asking, hey, if anyone has a copy of this, can you get it to us? They do. And I remember distinctly putting out the rallying cry for the early issues of Copra and it was crickets. Like a few people were like, Oh, I have them, but you can't have them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, no doubt. So, yep. Yeah. To this day, it's, it's still very much something that, uh, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't bin dive like, uh, like my co-hosts do anymore really. But, but that is, the, but these issues would be something that if I came across them, I would, I would definitely have to have. Them. You would never, yeah. you would never find them in a bin. You know, I had a reader, uh, come up to me at a convention at a, at an SPX, he had a number two on a first issue, first printing, and he had me sign it. And he told me that he found it in a dollar bin. <gasps> uh, I'm like, oh my god, I don't even have a copy of this comic. <laughs> but some, you know, it goes just goes to show some stores they just they don't know. You know, yeah. they they just don't know. It's just it's 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 challenging sometimes. You yeah. know, so hopefully that'll change. Well, now that the book is at Image with a completely new ongoing starting from number one, they've made it exceptionally easy to get caught up on Copra because oh, yeah. they are publishing, or I think they already have, right? The five or five, five trades, five trades of, of mm -hmm, all five. of the pre-existing material. So there's, and they're That's very 31 issues, right? I mean, if you're a real completist and you do still want the issues, it's 31 issues, right? Right. It's 31 it, issues. Correct. Yeah. yeah. But if it you does not collect uh, issue 25, because oh. that itself was a sort of anniversary uh, issue that's a flashback. So that's okay. going to go into another collection that's coming out in the future. Oh, nice. So just a heads up. It, it, it's really, I, I also didn't want to interrupt the flow of the story. So it jumped, mm -hmm. the last collection is really issues 26 to 31. And then this new brand new issue, the first issue, uh, continues from that, from the previous series. So it's as if nothing happened. Awesome. So if you would like to get into Copra and you don't want to do all the running around, uh, this is the way to do it. Just scoop up the image trade paperbacks and then wait yeah. for that reprinted issue 25 down the line. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, it's and it's, it's very convenient. online too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all like comiXology. So if you do want the 25, you could still read it online um, or just go to eBay and try your luck there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a physical guy. Um, but I've uh, recently Same. kind of put off the singles in, tra in, in 
uh, for the trades. But mm-hmm. when I saw that it was Copra was coming out in singles from number one, I'm like, all right, I got to break my rule and get these singles. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm trying to make the single issues as special as possible. I mean, that was, that's from my rule from the beginning. What's that? like the criminal route, if you want to call it that, where they, they put the back matter in the single issues. I mean, they still, they'll, the main story is collected in, in, in the deluxe editions or the trades. But if, if you're supporting it on the single side, you, you, you get something a little extra for your trouble. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that runs in the trades either. Right. Some of that back matter stuff. No, no, they don't. Yeah. Right. Right. So what I do is uh, I either run, you know, letters, pages or essays or fan art or just random pinups or drawings that I do. Uh, I just try to try to make it as personalized of an item as possible. And that tradition is going to continue in the new issues. And I'll have more pages to to work with. You know, I have a higher page count and me being a, a kind of a control freak. I got to fill them all myself. So I'm probably going to add more comics and the, the stories are going to be a little bit longer. And I'm probably going to have a. Little, you know, short stories that flesh out other things too. So it might become like a, a low-key anthology book at, down the line. Just, just trying to cram as many stories and characters as possible. Um, some of the stuff might make the trades, some of it not. I really just want to make that single unit of an issue as special as possible. That's and, awesome, wonderful. I've made the right decision. But <laughs> um, so while we're on the image subject, is there a are you trying to m- retain that DIY sensibility now that you're at Image? It, it, or what I guess what I'm asking is anything about the book going to change? Is 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 it still going to be Michel Fife's Copra the way we know it, or is it going to get a little glossed up now that it's you know at Image? Well, I'm going to try to get Tom King to start writing it for me. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't know who's going to draw it, though. But, uh, we can we'll put see. in a good word. Yeah. We may know people. return to my calls. <laughs> uh, no, it's going, to be, it's going to be all me, 100% awesome. me. I, I think that the huge benefit of, of having Image um, is that they have a great team over there. It's just, you know, the people have my back. Uh, 100% it's great it's awesome um, but it's still I'm allowed to be me and control my own product so I, I, I could do whatever I want meaning if I do want to expand an issue here or there or have a certain cover treatment or uh, pick a paper stock that I want that's all me so oh, in that regard it's goodness. still essentially self-publishing nice. right um, but but the options are, are wider too you know like like I, I, I could pick um, different paper stocks uh, and presentations if I want, you know, those options are on the table. So, but, but it is still me, you know, a hundred percent. And that's what every image book is. Everything's sort of a, a product of the respective team's vision. Um, so I'm going to try to keep it as accurate and consistent with the previous series as possible. Uh, definitely still uh, creatively doing everything, you know, writing, drawing, coloring, lettering, I'm still hand lettering. I'm still hand coloring. Uh, the stories are still going to be the same, uh, the same tone rather. Um, so that I'm going to try to make it as DIY as possible. But the funny thing is I don't go out of my way to make it DIY. You know what I mean? That's just the nature of the thing. I'm actually trying to make, like I said, just the, the coolest superhero comic ever, you know? Um, and it just comes out my way. <laughs> so uh, certainly that, that, that lends itself to like the DIY nature. Yeah. 
So one thing, uh, does this, does the first issue pick up shortly after issue 31 Delhi Inc or is it a totally different period or is it uh, a little bit of both? Like how did you approach that? Seconds after Delhi Inc. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Seconds afterwards. I mean, it's, 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 I've been wanting to tell this story for two years. (laughs) That was, that was the length of my hiatus. Um, because I was working on uh, the other projects, the uh, you know, well, that, yeah, the, that, on the blood strike, sure. but it picks up right where I left off. I mean, that was a story that I've had written pretty much uh, for two years, and so it's it feels so goddamn good to get back to it. I, I cannot wait to to unravel this thing. It's okay. It's great. So you, you pretty much answered my my other question about this, which is that uh, thirty one came out in August of seventeen. And this uh, this new series will be coming out in October of nineteen. And I know that since then you did uh, the Blood Strike Brutalis, which was awesome, and you did GI Joe Sierra Muerte. Was the was there a conscious decision to take on these other projects? Like, did you just want to feel like taking a break, and you're like, well, I'll see what else is out there, or like, how did it come about that you end up doing those things and, and putting Cobra on hiatus for a while? Well. The first okay, so the first twelve issues of Copra were monthly. I, I mm-hmm. put one out, one issue out a month. Yeah, that was and a big. Then, put, I mean, you you kind of made that in your like in the issues you say like this is my foray. I'm going to try and do this right. Yeah, yeah, but then from twelve to thirteen, I took a small break to work on other projects. That's when I started writing for Marvel, mm-hmm. and so I started doing that, but also working on the issues at the same time. But I needed that break to work on something else and start developing the next six issue arc. So basically what I'm, what I, what I did what that pattern turned out to be was I would work on an arc, a trade's worth, and then take a break to work on other stuff. So by the time I got to the ending of the fifth collection, the fifth round, that was issue 31. I had that break. I had that window. I'm like, all right, I could do something. What am I going to do? And I was actually, planning on working uh, on gi joe you know i had been talking with idw i figured i'd do like a one shot or a mini or something 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 quick between trades you know be- between uh the arcs and that was kind of that took a while to develop and in that time i'm like well i got to work on something so blood strike happened really quickly and so that took up the bulk of my uh time in that year just developing that with rob liefeld um, and then I went back to GI Joe that actually happened. And so that took another chunk of time of that year. And so after that, I'm like, holy shit, two years have passed, you know? Uh, and I got to get back to Cobra like ASAP. Um, and that's the thing when you, because I'm doing it all myself, it takes a little longer, even though I'm trying to keep this monthly clip going, I'm still writing the damn thing. I'm still drawing everything. I'm still designing the covers. I'm doing, you know, doing everything. Uh, and that just takes a while, you know, I should have really just, I don't know. I should get assistance or something. Where's the application I can fill out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so while we're on the subject of actually creating this book, I'm, I'm assuming that it's all physical media. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's all original art. It's all. Have you ever uh, sold a page? Do you sell your art? I do. Not the Copra stuff. I have, Copra, yeah, right. the other stuff, any work for hire stuff I do, right, right. Um, but not the Copra. I'm holding on for it just because, uh, you know, I'm sentimental, but also just in case uh, another 
printing requires scanning of the original page. I don't want to go and hunt down original. Sure. Page. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, I'm salty about it, but I get it though. <laughs> I do sometimes sell like the occasional, I don't know, pinup or, or profile thing that mm-hmm. I do, but for a story page or covers, I tend to keep those for now. You still doing the, uh, the colored, uh, commissions like on a colored paper. Yeah, well, right now I'm not doing commissions because of Copra, but I do I do that once in a while. Usually when I go to conventions, that's no, I mean at conventions, yeah, yeah, because window opens. I have a couple pieces from you like that, and they're pretty cool. Yeah, for, for no, our listeners who don't know, uh, Michelle has like he'll have like different colored paper. Basically, you pick the color paper, and he'll and and, the, and he'll like do a commission that befits that that uh, color. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like a, a weird like hand painted. Um, it's either like a mix of acrylic and, yeah. and color pencils or gouache or something. And it's just a random pattern, you know, like I painted up a, a big sheet, for example, mm-hmm. and I just paint randomly. Then I cut it up into little pieces and it just produces some, some cool results, I think. So oh, definitely. Yeah. You're yes. Drawing like all different sorts of characters has been a, a fun thing for sure. And I sure. want to get back to that too, but I just got to, you know, stabilize this Copra schedule for sure and get, sure. get it back, man. I'm, Back to it. I'm I'm super excited to be working on this. That's I mean, great. I don't know if if I've said that already, but <laughs> I get a lot of too. work. But it's just it's my dream gig. I mean, oh. this is all I've ever wanted to do. You know, and uh, this is amazing. I'm super stoked. And your approach to color, like the book itself, is very atypical. And I'm. Do you color directly on the Bristol board that holds the ink, or is the color on another? medium like because it looks like there's um like you said colored pencil gouache there's looks like watercolor some of the stuff looks like ballpoint pen to me especially like <laughs> that one panel yeah. where we first meet uh, v- uh vitas and the, you can see the clouds are outlined the contours in red and the there's there's blue it looks like colored pencil and pen colored um ink pen to me but i mean i'm i don't know it, is everything on the same physical media yeah, that's on the boards. That's on the boards. So oh. I'd say 95% of that stuff is on the boards unless I paint something separately or do a digital touch touch up, you know, if I want like mostly a flat color or something like that, but it's usually on the boards and uh it's really because it's faster that way for me. Right. It's just I just you know, especially not having to hand it off to like another department, another production person, I could just do it all myself and really I mean, it's lightning quick. Uh and yeah, I guess uh, you know it looks different enough because no one really works in, in a with these tools anymore. Um, not anymore. I guess it was. No, I guess color pencils never stuck. I, I've seen some co- some mainstream comics and color pencils back way back in the day, but um, I guess that that's what makes it look different. Yeah, just because right. of those tools. Well, they were color pencils were very hard to photograph back in the day before the advent of digital plate making. Now it's probably a no brainer, but. Um, another thing that blows my mind is how you'll, you'll just make some panels or some foreground characters white. And it, it looks amazing to me, uh, especially the one panel with wire and he's, he's fleeing the scene right before the explosion. And there's that beautiful undulating pinks and magentas behind him and wire and the characters in the foreground, they're, they're white. And I love that. I mean, and it's, it's, it's one of those why didn't I think of that, right? Yeah. But it, when you see it on the page, it just sparkles. It looks so beautiful. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's two things. It's I want to make something that looks neat and looks cool, shit, 
and I also uh, it's to serve a, a story purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it just that scene called for that sort of treatment. So, I mean, that goes also in the layouts. If I do a crazy layout, it's because I'm trying to convey something crazy or magical or off-worldly. Uh, if it's something a little bit more uh, conservative, it's because I want something calm and soothing and measured. Uh, so it's all really just what kind of thing I'm trying to convey with the lettering, with the color, with the type of drawing. You know, sometimes I go not Bigfoot cartoony, but super simple. And sometimes I try to do really rendered things and just put it all together and hope it works. I'm just trying to kind of amplify the certain beats of the story. And I think uh, making those kind of color decisions helps that. I think that's the advantage of having a color comic, you know, and I used to not do color. I used to, I come from like a black and white world because reproduction was impossible. So you kind of, especially for indie comics, you kind of, have to rely on your black and black and white line art and color was a, a thing I slowly introduced in my work, you know, through Zegas and through my web comics and stuff. And Copra is just sort of the culmination of all those approaches. And, and so I try to use it for the story really. And it's a very experimental book too. I mean, you're a seeker, you're, you're, you're solving problems in new and different ways. And I mean, as far as, I'm concerned as a as a longtime comic reader, it's so refreshing to see an approach like this because you're not doing anything by the numbers. You're 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 pushing boundaries and and looking for new ways to tell superhero stories, which is it's so gratifying to just experience this. Well, I mean, I'm just trying to not be bored myself. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like having to draw these characters over and over. I got to make them cool for myself to draw and try to tell you know, stories that interest me. Um, and I think that's a, a general rule. Like I think if the creator is bored, you could tell, you know, oh, that's yeah. going to come through. Yeah, oh, you can feel, yeah. you can definitely feel it. And, and if you're really stoked about something, I mean, I, I think that's going to, I think the reader's going to feed off that. And uh, that, I mean, that's, that's what I get when I read comics, you know, depending on what I, what I like uh, relies on that sort of energy if, I, if I'm feeling it from you, you know, and hopefully that, that people respond to Copra that way. So I don't, I don't know. It's funny because they always say like superheroes are limited or, you know, there's always the kind of same kind of story, but I had to let go of that quick, you know, mm-hmm. it's like even in the beginning, it's like, Oh, who needs another team book? You know, like if I had to ask myself that I would have never done it. It's like, who, who cares? Just do it. You know, like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. They have missions, big deal. That's so original. It's like, I don't, I don't care. I don't care about that stuff. I'm just going to do what I want to do in my own way. And um, I'm just glad, you know, reader, I'm glad you're picking up on that. So I really appreciate that, you know, because it's it's all like a visceral thing for me. This isn't like super calculated. Um, So I'm glad it's sticking in some regard. Yeah, I, th- exactly. I mean, that's the thing about your 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 book is I think um, people always say like, oh, you, you can't do you know you can't do superheroes outside of the big two. They, they have that locked up. And I think that the the reason that that may be perceived as true for most people is that when others try and do superhero comics outside of the big two, it's not genuine. Meaning, it's often tongue in cheek or satirical or like almost meant to lambaste the like the, the actual big like superhero comics that we grew up and loved and that's not your you know that's not what you're doing like you're just telling awesome stories uh, that you want to that you would like to read and you know and that, that I think that comes through there's a genuine 
is to it. It's not, you know, it's not a parody. It's, it's, it's just you, you're doing your thing. And, and, uh, you know, you mentioned with, like, I was, I thought it was great when you did Brutalist because, you know, we're all fans of Rob. And like, I think that if you get back to like that core, the, 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 the genesis of, of image comics, that was the same thing, right? Like those, it was these guys, young, you know, brash guys who said, you know what, fuck it. We just want to tell our own stories and just have fun. And like, you know, it wasn't about like being the most critically beloved, you know, stories, but they were just the stories that they wanted to tell with their characters. And it wasn't about like, oh, is that derivative? Is it not? Is it unique? Like that wasn't what it was about. It was just like, no, we're going to tell kick-ass stories. And it's, they've stood the test of time, right? So I, I think you're like, it's, it's fitting to me that even though you started off doing your own thing that you've ended up at image because even though image today is much different than what image was when the founders did their thing, this is almost like very kind of kismet to me that people like you and, you know, and, and, and Shioli and like that you guys all have, and like, and like rug have like come back to image. Like it just feels kind of really, I don't know. It just feels cosmically right. Cause you were all part of the same generation we were where you, you loved that stuff when it was happening. And then image kind of had to go and become something else. And now, this next generation of creators who were inspired by what they did are coming back and doing their own thing, which is much more core to what they were doing. So it's pretty neat for, at least from, from my perspective. Yeah. I, I mean, we all grew up on image comics, so we have an affinity for that stuff. Uh, but there was a time when it wasn't cool to like that stuff at all. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, and we sort of uh, grew into it. We had to revisit it and, and reassess it in a way, but I'm with you, man. I, I, I hate, tongue-in-cheeky funny superhero stuff it's it's like it's such a hacky like easy punching bag it's like get off it man like look i'm not here to say that only superhero comics matter that's ridiculous right Right. no one is saying that and those who do they don't matter it doesn't really matter right but when you're when you're making fun of that it's like it's just not fun it's profoundly unfunny to me you know so and it comes from creators i like a lot but it's like just do your own thing. You don't have to do superheroes. Just do your own thing and do you do it well and stick to it. But when you come over and you try to genre hop and then ridicule that genre, it's like mm. it, it helps nothing right. and it makes you look like an asshole. Yeah. And most uh, of the-, and the, and the product is usually substandard and it's not good and I never want to revisit it again and I never will. And uh, <laughs> that's, my, my, that's my take on it. So right. I do try to be genuine about this stuff. Um, because of that, because I, I, I just hate cheeky, like, shit. Just so not cool. Right. Well, most of the guys, well, all of the guys that Jason mentioned, and yourself, Rug and Sholey and, and uh, you and Bayer, you're not looking over your shoulders, right? You you don't care what other people are, are like, the the opinions of the art that you're producing. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of people out there that are working for accolades and or you know, economic reward. It seems to me that there's this wonderful nexus of, of artists like yourself and the names we mentioned that are, yes, you have bills to pay, but you're, you're primarily doing it for the love of the medium and, and the love of storytelling. And, and you're not, you don't, you're not glancing back and seeing what the, what the initial reaction is. Oh, maybe I should change this. That guy way back there, you know, he's got a puss on his face, but it, you're just making art, which is great. Right. Well, you know, those comics that we all love from whatever period, really, um, they come from a, a looser sort of environment. You know, all this, all the, the perennials, all the classics, all the hidden gems, everything. It just came from um, 
things like uh, an environment that wasn't as strict right as it might be right now and i think we as independent creators have the freedom to tap into that you know and personally i'm i'm world building i'm you know i'm 31 issues in and i'm trying to build my own world on my own terms and that's just an impossible thing in the current corporate structure right that might have been a little bit more possible back in the day uh but it's definitely impossible now i don't i don't see it happening anytime soon now let me ask you you guys are tapped into like all sorts of comics but you you really know the mainstream comics is definitely more than me but do you think the current landscape is too well behaved is it a little too corporate like what what's what's the what's your feeling on that stuff well, I have oh, it's, a, it's a loaded question. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> we still don't get me wrong. There's still cool comics on the, that the big two are putting out, great creators, and all that stuff. But on a general sense, not to pick out names or anyone, but on a general sense, doesn't it seem like a little bit, just a little well behaved? I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah, I guess I'll speak. I don't want to speak for. I guess we each have our own views. I, I definitely, and and I also think part of it is cyclical, like. For me, just of late, um, it, it, it I haven't been feeling a lot of superhero comics. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it's not like, oh, I'm over that type of thing. It's more like I still read quite a few, and a lot of them just feel like they're in a little bit of a rut. Like they don't just – I'm just like, okay. I, 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 the cadence is so similar that I'm just not really vibing. It almost feels just like I'm going through the motions. So, But there are some that stand out from that, and they, they feel – more special than they otherwise would because they do stand above the fray. Um, Mm. I don't know if it's just a cyclical thing or if it's, I don't know that it's a corporate thing. I mean, but yes, I would say speaking personally right now, I, I I'm finding more enjoyment generally from, from stuff that's, that's not big to superhero. But, but again, to be clear, I mean, still more than half of the stuff that I, buy and consume is that it's just very little of it is is what i want to bring to this this show each week right right, right. right. Yeah. yeah maybe everything has been a corporate forever we just right, right, weren't yeah. you know like superman in the 70s was a, a corporate icon but it just didn't register to us as kids or you, you know or throughout the ages or x-men in the 90s that was a, a corporate juggernaut but to us it's like it, it touches all the nostalgic buttons you know, so we don't see that. I, I certainly don't see it like that. I just, I'm interested. I'm super interested in this. Is the reason I ask, just because I struggle with the same sort of things. I want to love certain things, sure. but I don't know if that loves there because maybe I'm aged out. Maybe it's because I'm in the industry and I'm working on it, uh, and I have specific tastes. I definitely have specific ideas of what I want out of a superhero comic book, and um, and hey, that's fandom. Everyone has their own. Mm-hmm. idea of what a superhero comic is uh luckily for me i have the avenue in which to express that <laughs> you know I, right. I get to actually dictate those those details uh so yeah i'm just uh, super curious as to what you guys' thoughts were so well i think part of the well-behaved nature of big two comics is endemic to the fact that you have people playing with other people's toys Right. The, I, I equate it to, you know, you'd go over a friend's house when you were little and you'd, you'd be playing with toys and you wouldn't treat those toys. You you'd treat them with kid gloves because, number one, they weren't yours. You didn't want to break them. And the fact that 
you know, your buddy's mom was in the kitchen looking over to see, you know, what was going on, that would be editorial. So you wouldn't, you would set limits on your enjoyment of this toy because it wasn't yours and you didn't want anything to happen to it. Right. So when you own the toys, you can do whatever you want with them. You can break them. You know, you can throw them across the room. Uh, You can experiment with them. I don't think there's a lot of boundary pushing at the big two, uh, which is kind of a a weird thing to say now that Hickman has the X-Men and there's a lot of boundary pushing going there. But I mean, as a whole, I don't think there's, there's a, a, a real thrust to do anything in ways that, haven't already been done just tell good stories and the people will buy them right but But, you know and that as a long-time reader that's not exactly what i want sure and and but that being said it it is tough not it's not it's tough not to sound like we're generalizing because like we have Sholey's fantastic four book coming out right and we just finished up a you know pisker's crazy amazing take on x-men and I, i just read the last comic i read before we started recording was Silver Surfer Black number three and like the 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 art in that Treadmore's art is absolutely off the charts. I can't believe how beautiful it is. So right. incredible. Every single page is uh, it's ridiculous. Out. Like I it's I mean yeah. yeah anyway, but my point being is uh you know um I mean I don't want to speak for that but like Bendis who's a tried and true you know he was the centerpiece of Marvel's big two comics for you know Marvel's comics forever is is reignited David and a lot of other people's uh enjoyment of Superman which is you know was in a slump. So I so I think there are there are definitely like it there's still good stuff. It's just that it's a signal to noise issue. So many of us have spent so much of our comics fandom feeling compelled to read a, a good chunk of the universe mm-hmm. yeah. that it's taken a long time and a lot of, of of years to break ourselves of the habit of just reading comics because we we're supposed to keep up with them. And I find, and I think probably I'm not alone here that there's a joy in just reading eight to 10 Marvel and DC comics a month regularly versus me feeling compelled like I have to read 60 or 70 of them sure. because then I, then I can truly appreciate them for what they are and not feel bogged down by the, Oh, well, this doesn't fit into this continuity or, Oh, they're just trying to sell me an extra, but you know, oh, and, you're and scooping the cream. Yeah, precisely. And, yeah. and, and, and my point is, is my, my cream is likely very different than what Vince is most vibing on or David or any of our listeners. So that's yeah. fine. Like they're just pockets, right? Like, and, and so I don't want to, yeah, that's why I say like, it's, it's hard to not sound like we're, patronizing or overgeneralizing when you're talking about a co- two companies that put out what 200 books between them each month so inevitably there's a lot of quality and even some genuine creativity amidst that 200 issues it's just that yes if you're judging it in the sum total of yeah ju- it's 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 relatively rote yeah i i always think i always go back and uh i think about anna senti talking about in a recent interview talking about how uh, her classic run on daredevil was kind of made on the fly with little oversight, right? Like she didn't think people in general back then didn't think that this stuff was going to last, that it wouldn't uh, be reprinted, wouldn't be available. So they kind of had that, you know, with that, with those limitations came a freedom. And I, I'm in love with that concept. Maybe I don't, I don't know why. I just, I, I love that. And I, I've heard that from several creators, you know, that's the way Giffen and Demetrius worked on justice league. Um, all the books, all the books we love. That's how Miller worked on Daredevil, you know? I mean, and, and these are classic books and they had that spark, you know? And uh, I've, I guess I'm just always trying to tap into that, 
you know, by being left alone, by doing it all myself, by just going forward, uh, trusting my gut instinct and try to trying to channel some of that energy. Um, but, you know, having said that, I'm really looking forward to Bendis's Legion for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm really I'm really in love with that with that concept. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. So, again, I'm not shitting on corporate comics at all. I'm just oh, no, clearly, about yeah. the temperature of it. Right. Yeah, yeah. In general, because I don't follow eighty books a month, you know. Yeah, no. I, I, for me, it's just it's it's. I'm at the point now where I just I want to, I want to read what I enjoy. I don't, right, right. I don't need to be homework. I don't want it to feel like a job. Yeah, we, you know, we'll we'll read things, and if there's something that one of us reads and we think it would make a good bigger conversation, and we'll you know suggest the other two read it, and and we can may not be something we were planning on reading, but that's for the betterment of the show but for the most part i i pick up my books i order my books and and i read what i want to read and other things might catch my eye or give things a shot but um yeah i'm not i'm not so concerned i mean there are books that i'd like to read that um aren't necessarily for me like i i, I don't have and i've said it before i don't have an amazing spider-man to read right now i know people are digging what what spencer and otley are doing and that's cool but i'm not really feeling it so right that's fine so i stepped away for now and and i'll be back i vince and i weren't thrilled when uh when slot made peter uh you know the ceo and and basically everything was coming up millhouse form and and that that but that's not that's not peter parker to us so we we both kind of stepped back we just waited for the other shoe to drop and then it did and and all was right in the world but um there are certain things and, and like jason brought up the superman stuff and yeah i wasn't but my superman for the longest time was i i've always been a superman fan but when burn went to dc and rebooted the character i was all in and then after a couple of years when the other writers came on they had the weekly books and and you had the triangle era that was a high watermark for me, and that's what I kind of compare every other Superman story or run to. And and Bendis is the closest that I'm getting to to that feeling again. So um, that's not, and I'm decades older now, but that's still a feeling I like to have. So I don't, I'm not so concerned about whether or not. Um, like the, the corporate side of things is like you know Tom King not finishing his his Batman run on the main title or um, whatever was going on with the X Men before Hickman came on then that had to just come to a stop because they're going in a new direction now so I mean I don't I'm not so much I'll I'll save the 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 politics or the gossip for for the comics journal or or, or bleeding cool but I'm not sure. going to um, I'm not going to really let that and we'll and we'll read the events as a different tangent and and those are usually corporate or editorially driven but and and there are times where they're entertaining stories but um I just want to read things that that I enjoy if if I'm spending my money on it mm-hmm, I, sure. I want to have a good time with it yeah it's not cheap either so I get that that's true yeah um you know I I love the comics journal so that that part of me is uh is strong (laughs) i just love examining this shit but you know what else i love uh john Byrne superman not many people love that but that is my superman so i'm glad you mentioned that i'm a huge uh devotee of the comics journal but i have to say a lot of times 
um, you know, when you see a, a family member acting the fool and you're just like, ooh, like there are times when I'm like, guys, you, you need to un- <laughs> unclench a little, little bit, bit. Yep. just a yep. little. Um, it, yeah, indie comics are the best for me. Um, and they always have been, but. But that doesn't mean that, that, that non-indie comics are crap. Right. All of them. Yes. I mean, right. yeah, you can say that. You don't but, have to. You don't have to be little something else to make yourself seem yeah. better. But I mean, Look, they did. Me, okay, yeah. the, I mean, I would not approach comics to the level I think I do now mm-hmm. with the, the 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 trying to dissect the thing and see how it works and the creative process and what makes this panel wonderful. I would not approach comics anywhere near the way I do now if it had not been for the Comics Journal. Sure. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, they could go to bat for for great things, and and they could destroy other things. But I think a happy medium is uh, Amazing Heroes, which was oh right my god! You, oh, you, you, you're singing my song. I mean yeah. that. I mean every issue is worth every like it's just perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, man, you're talking to the guy who wrote an essay on Quasar for the comics journal. <laughs> <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> Those motherfuckers hated it probably, but I don't care because it's a great book and fuck yeah. you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so you got, that's more of in line with you just do what you love and that's what's great. That That's what makes Copra great. You just – there's a, a right. palpable sense that you are just in this to do what you love. Yep. Yeah, man. I can't think of anything else. If I if not, I'll just get too bummed out and uh, incapable of making that, that page, making those pages every month, you know? So yeah. I just try to sort of surround myself with – people that that like stuff are just curious they're energetic about stuff about their own work um those are the kind of comics and cartoonists that i i, I like i just gravitate towards and you know are you still I, an I avid reader like, do, you, do you make time to read what's that do you do, are you still able to make time to read because you know a lot of a lot of people just don't have the time to read like they used to do you read a lot of other comics yeah yeah i do well i mean this summer has been tight just because i've been trying to get uh the copra schedule back sure. on track but i've been reading um just older comics or new comics i got um the latest blubber from gilbert hernandez sure. uh we, we, he puts that up about once a year maybe a couple yeah. a year um and i wasn't kidding man i'm really excited about bendis's legion you guys nice. aren't excited about that shit? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We're all very much looking forward to it. I mean, mm. I'm really into it. I mean, I heard that Hickman... <laughs> You're not, Vince? I'm, I'm not as invested in it's it as, as, as I was. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, because of the... Fir- oh, right, okay. Yeah, I'm no, not crazy uh, about the redesigns. Out. I just think that Bendis is going to bring like a, a, a clean pop sensibility to it, that, and that's what the, the Legion franchise needs. You know, uh, I heard that Hickman was actually working on a Legion project before this X-Men thing, but that got sidetracked or it just didn't work out. It fell through. I suspect it was probably going to be the same sort of treatment as House of X, but on Legion. And I just don't think that would have worked for Legion. You know, Legion Mm -hmm. needs to, you need to decompress that thing, you know, make it clear, make it friendly, make it smiley, make it poppy. Right. And I think Bendis and Ryan Sook's incredible art, I think is going to do it. And I'm I'm really genuinely looking forward to that. Um, Wade and Kitson took the pop uh, angle with it. That that Wade and Kitson run is very good. It is. It's short, but it's still very good. And, and it's, I, and I, did it end because of something going on? Did it end because of, did it, did it spin out of Infinite Crisis, or did it end around 
I think issue 47 was the last going into uh, Infinite Crisis. I'm pretty sure. But don't quote me because I'm right. not thinking in that area right now. Mm. But Yeah, um, something happened. Something interfered with it. Maybe there was another Legion book, even though it, they, were, they were promised no other Legion book would exist. I, I don't know. Honestly, right, the right. last Legion book I paid attention to was Giffen's. That's Shooter it. was there in yep. Canada, wasn't he? Yeah. He came back. Yeah, he Shooter, came back. Shooter came okay. back. Yeah. He came back. Uh, what else am I excited for? I'm excited for <laughs> Chuck Forsman's Revenger. That's nice. He yes. oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> He's got a ha- uh, Halloween special coming out. Yep. Um, I, I don't know. There's tons of stuff. There's tons of stuff. But I'm, you know, digging through back issues. I'm looking for old Justice Machine issues. Oh, oh I have them all, man. I don't have them all. I got a bunch. Don't I've never all. read them, but they look great. They're they so cool. good. So, yeah. That is, you know, that, and that's something. And, and now, now, now I can see if as, as you come across issues. If we see you at a con and I see some of the back issue, Ben, I'll get them for you. But when we, um, the, what's what I enjoyed from the beginning with Copa was that I the art's fantastic, and that we were that whole sense of even though it's the first issue. There's still that feeling where um, there's something else going on. Whereas if it's if, if you're picking up issue 187 of X Men, there's all this other stuff going on before it. You can go back issue diving and and try to catch up. Whereas here's the first issue. There's nowhere to catch up from, but you still feel like you're in on a story without you. You're not there from the ground floor with everybody else, and and you're just thrown into it. Love the fact that everybody's already established and, and everybody has a history. But what really you got tricks me with was was the Suicide Squad riff. And and that and, and, and here's Dr. Light and here's Deadshot, who is one of my favorite characters from, from that time. And and knowing how I try to see, you know, which character is which and who's an analog of maybe who. And um and now you mentioned justice machine i can only hope that we'll see <laughs> demon analog or just anybody else and 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 the things you could do with with Gustovich's characters would just it would i'm already thinking about being blown away it's i can't <laughs> wait for you to read some of these stories uh-huh. we'll see i still gotta squeeze in um Young blood somehow. I gotta say, young <laughs> oh, <yes>. blood. <laughs> One of the yeah, things save them from uh, the brink of of <laughs> extinction. I know. Yeah, Rob has been he's been he's been like doing a PSA every day about we, that he no longer has control over the characters. It's sad. I know it's it's heartbreaking. It's weird. Uh, I hate that whole scenario. It's just I, I hate it. It's just so strange. <laughs> and hopefully, it it'll is. just be ignored to death and. Yeah, you know the rights revert back to him somehow. Yeah. I don't know. Until then, uh, looks like we're gonna have to do a bootleg comic uh, sometime down the line. I don't Let's know. Do it. Another rub the blood. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. I, I got to be honest. You know, back when we started reading this book, even though the letters column is called Coconut Meat Skull, I, I had I never made the connection that Copra was a word for coconut meat, and like I never. It took a long time for me to for that all to click. So why 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 did you name it Cobra in the first place? Like, what was the impetus for that? Like on day one of starting the book, because uh, it was the the my high school band that was its name. Oh, okay. 
and uh, it was just the sort of name I liked. And you know, any story, whenever I would I would have to mention a city or an office, it would always be Coper this, Coper that. When I started mm-hmm. self-publishing Zegas, it was Coper Press. And so when I wanted to do uh, a sort of um, a big book, you know, just a big ongoing mm-hmm. he- header, uh, it was just a simple like, oh, just call it Cobra, just whatever. No, you know, the band's done. That's just an inside joke between me and like two other guys, and that's it. Right. And, uh, and then it took off. So now Cobra is like, uh, it, it's taken on a different meaning for me. You know, it's like again, it was life changing as opposed to before. It was just a sort of small memory of, of, of a cool word. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's coconut. <laughs> it's a yeah, yeah, it's a hollowed out coconut. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, do you, do you uh you know it was a, it was a bummer for a lot of us local folks to see uh, Bergen Street close its doors a few years back. Um, and I you know I can't think of Bergen Street without thinking of you. Um, are, do you do you stay in touch with Tom and Amy? Like are they like they still in the comics game in any way? Like or did they kind of just completely disavow themselves of the the comics world? Oh, they're still around. I mean, Tom's uh. Well, Brigginster was also Tom and Tucker Stone. Uh, Tucker, right? Tucker as well. Yeah, you yeah. know, is, is running the journal. He 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 he's working in comics in some capacity here and there. Mm-hmm. Tom as well, but I think he's trying to reconfigure Bergen. Bergen's not over. Uh, they're just not putting out Copra. Uh, so I think he's got a couple projects lined up, but he's trying to plan that, um, and he'll announce it whenever those projects line up. Awesome. Uh, but they're, but do, they're doing well. And again, we split. Uh, fine like we're we're all still coping oh, yeah, yeah. you know um it comes down to single issues you know like they weren't interested in in putting out single issues they don't want to yeah. deal with that <laughs> and i don't blame them one like at all you know um but coper needs to exist in single issue format you know that's just the the, the model that that i've set up and it is just perfect for that you know 100 percent. yes yeah but they're doing they're doing good good they're doing good. well Awesome. I miss that shot, man. Um, there's nothing like it. I, I mean, I try to go to Desert Island whenever I'm in the area. That's a great shop in Brooklyn. Um, mysterious Time Machine in the city. Uh, that That's usually my, my place. You know, again, mostly for back issues. Whenever I try to make it out there, I just look for old uh, West Coast Avengers or something. You know? <laughs> yeah. Are you going to be at... Um, that's my spot. Yeah. Are you going to be at New York Comic Con this year? Yes. Yeah, nice. I wanted to ask you guys if you were going to be at any conventions, and New York Comic Con is going to be my next convention. You know, ours uh, too. Well, we will see you there. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be my first time tabling. I usually go just to hang out and shop around and and catch up with people, but I'm going to be tabling. Oh, it's perfect. Right? Yeah, Excellent. it's our home show, so we uh, we were there every time. So that's awesome. Um, Copra comes out the day before. Copra. Oh yeah. So does all right. So that's so that. I'll have it there. I will. Um, I'm gonna have to. There's some books I get from my local guide, and there's some books that I just I order through our sponsor. So I may, knowing that it comes out the same day as the new Grendel series, maybe I'll get them both to shop. So this way I can bring them to the show. Because nice. Matt Wagner and and Brenner are gonna be at New York Comic Con as well. This is true. Oh man, I I don't even know who else is going to be there. I got to check, um, but that's awesome. I've never met Matt Wagner. That'd be cool. Well, you're going to have to take a little break from the table and come with us uh, bin diving. Oh snap! 
You know, I've been actually thinking about that. <laughs> I have some pre-show bin diving or something. Yes. So. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll be lugging out gigantic boxes of, of books. Yeah. Getting an assistant. This is you really need an assistant for tabling, not for not for helping you make the comic, <laughs> so they can sit at the table and you can go look for cool shit to buy. That's no joke, man. I gotta <laughs> look into that <laughs> for sure. You you know you mentioned Tom King earlier just as a joke, but. Tom is notorious, uh, you know, he's a buddy of ours as well. He's notorious at cons for not being at his table because he yeah. loves to to bin dive and also to buy art. And, uh, you know, it used to be fine, like whatever, he would just disappear and that's not that common. But now that he's kind of like in quotes Tom King, like it's an issue, right? Like like he's, he's supposed to be there to, 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 to sign for like these massive lines and he just bounces to go look for back issues and stuff. And uh, his handlers have to be like, dude, you can't do that anymore. Like you, you can't like, can't, you have to schedule that. So I would never do that to my handlers. My handlers, uh, I'm just kidding. I don't have a hand. <laughs> you know Lord. what? If that's the price of fame, giving up the back issue diving then screw fame i guess i'm gonna have to get one after all yeah yeah I, right. I need to get into those bins man you know me. you need a hype man too like every every good creator needs a hype man just like to you know just shout it out cobra you're hired <laughs> all right i'm there I'll do it. Nah, you don't hired, want him anyway no, he charges too much i'll do it for half of the charge. <laughs> that's true that's true my hourly rate is whoever shows up uh, nice. meet me at <laughs> comic con we'll make it happen knife fight knife fight yeah yeah there was something in the second issue. Well, it was not something. It was your your parting words in the second issue of Cobra, which I thought was so badass. And does this kind of like speak to your your vibe, which is when you were talking about um, uh, like you first heard of breaking the Kirby barrier from Walt Simonson, mm-hmm. and then you just go on and talk about how you know it's just about churning out pages. You know, don't obsess about rewrites, and that that doesn't mean that you just kind of like shit out stuff, but it means like just not to obsess about comic being perfect. Just trust in yourself to just keep creating and it is what it is and it will be what it will be. And, uh, you just got to keep pushing forward. And like, I think anyone that's listened to this last hour can come away with like, that's how you, that's how you live your creative life. So it's cool to see that like, that was your vibe back then. And you know, seven years later, it's still your vibe. Yeah. I mean, I mean, again, that's why that first issue was, was really important to me because prior to that, I was really meticulous about everything I did and it took me forever. That's why every Zegas issue took forever for me to put out. And that's just not workable. You just can't, you know, pay your bills that way at that speed. Um, so yeah, that was important to me because there's a fine difference. There's a fine line between just going fast and then hacking it out. And it's just two different philosophies that kind of live in the same scope. Right. So it's like, yeah, you don't want to shit it out. You don't want any, you don't want to put out bad stuff because you don't care. That is the province of the hack, right? You just got to, it's just a job, get it done. Right. You, you know, I can't just do that, you know, because this is my stuff. I got to put my name on it. Um, I'm super proud of it, but I also can't be that precious where I can't, where I'm just paralyzed. You know, uh, it, it, I, I think you could tell in the results as well. I think if you just overwork something, if you overcook it, it's, it's going to look different. You know, it just, it is, the life is going to be sucked out of it somehow. So it's just a fine balance that I'm always trying to wrestle with to this day. So mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time on a page, you know, even if I had that time, I don't know what I would do with that time. You know, like add more lines. I mean, I don't fucking know. I don't, you know what I mean? Like I'm not that kind of artist. So, you know, I just try to go for it. I just try to just uh, keep working and be fast. And yeah, trust, 
trust in my instinct. One of the things I love the best about the book is that it doesn't suffer fools. Um, that while it's it's chaotic and there is the standard amount of of punching and shooting and and uh, you know characters getting into it, the narrative is it's very complex because um, the way you will well one of the things I giggled at is that you do introduce the characters along the way, but you didn't do the standard blurb like this is racks. You didn't do the that until issue six, and anybody like going into it would be like, "Oh, this is cool, right? Okay, you got a ton of characters, and then you figured issue six would be the best point to to let everybody know, you know, here they are all assembled." It, it was wonderful. It made me giggle because it doesn't suffer fools at all. And the same thing with the weapon. The weapon isn't a word; it's it's a symbol. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it, I just think that's that's wonderful to just like can not understate. Or, or not um, take uh, your the reader's intelligence for granted, you know. Where we yeah we'll get it. It maybe may take a little um, bit of work to find you know all the pieces and put it together, but you allow that to happen. Whereas that right. not, not everything is explicitly stated or um, you know spelled out for the reader. That's wonderful. I love that. You know, thanks. By the way, that's that's awesome to hear. But um, you mentioned something about issue number one where it just kind of drops you into the middle of this thing. Yeah. And, uh, a big inspiration. I have two inspirations for that, which is uh, Gilbert Hernandez, who I mentioned, uh, you know, his blubber comic, but he's really known for love and rockets mm-hmm. and his style of writing is just so beautiful uh, and really inspiring. It's inspired me since I first read his comics, but also it comes from Howard Chaikin as well. Uh-huh. And the way you would read a Howard Chaikin comic is uh, you would return to it. And, and another layer would reveal itself to you. Right. And you right. have to put in the work because he certainly doesn't suffer fools. No. And so, but there's a, there's a, a naturalism to that. You know, there, it's performative, but it's also really natural yeah. in a way. And so I figured, well, with a huge cast, I don't want to bog down the first story with just introductions to everyone. I'll, I'll try my best, but you, let's introduce them through dialogue or through action or, yeah. or you know, the, just as if you were to, go into a party for example you know not everyone's going to give you a, a, a tagline right that'll come later um the funny part is in the past few years i've been sort of maybe if it maybe this is a response to my previous attempt to write this way but i've been sort of embracing the opposite in a weird way uh like the mark grunwald school of thought which is like let's explain everything like <laughs> I love that shit. I don't know if I could do that, but I really appreciate that, you know, because I've, I've been just trying to, I've, I've been reading comics in, in, in a certain comics in a different way. And it's been highly enjoyable this way where it's just, um, they're just vehicles of information. You know, it doesn't have to sound natural. It's just about what the data on the pages is, you know, what, what is, what is the writer trying to tell me? And in Mark Runwell's case, he's just trying to tell me, uh, continuity minutia or or character details you know what i mean like it doesn't really matter if it's na- quote unquote natural sounding that's right. not the forte of some of those kind of writers you know like you don't go to a roy thomas comic for you know fast dialogue you know yeah, yeah. that's why you go to a howard chaikin comic you know so every everyone brings a different sensibility to, to the table and i've been trying to embrace a sort of more 
open inviting kind of you know 80s marvel like jim shooter mandated like make it clear just make it clear and i figured you know i'm at this point i was by issue 28 and i'm like i'm 28 issues in i should maybe clear up a little uh, a few of the things just in case i'm not gonna expect everyone to remember every single little thing but i do because i do respect uh the the readers in that way where it's like you know if they're paying attention uh i will reward that attention you know what i mean like i will do callbacks to older things i will build up and develop subplots and characters and bring back little details that you didn't think were important but now all of a sudden it's a huge plot point um so i like playing with the form in that way so i don't know again i'm just trying to uh mess with stuff and and do it all you know i want to do grunold and shaken and hopefully it'll just come out as as me you know really right it's working well thanks i'm glad that it's working well it's worked a little bit. So that's a weird thing about doing this new number one because it's essentially issue 32, but it's got to work as a first issue. You know, I figured this is the first time a lot of people are going to read this thing. Uh, so I got to make it uh, understandable, but I I can't betray the nature of the cliffhanger that I left everyone on before, you know, uh, it was a, it was a good balance. I was looking forward to, to kind of working with that. And I'm in, I'm into the results, man. I like I'm really proud of this first issue, uh, and I'm really curious to see how people respond to it too. We can't wait you know, to see old it. Old school readers, old school readers, and, and new readers. Like hopefully it'll, you know, tap into that thing where where they get curious about the older stuff, and they gotta go hunt it down within reason, you know? Right. And the fact, I mean, hopefully some some shops might have that first issue, and then right next to it. The, the the five trades i because i i like the idea of it being a jumping on point for, for new readers it, it'd be cool yes there's there's things you'll pick up on if you were with me for the previous 31 issues but um you can hit the ground running here and not not every page will have an asterisk and an editor's notes or a michelle note saying you know that you can read the what he's mentioning is referred to in, in trade volume three. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I just, I just hope people at least find it compelling enough to, to go forward with it. You know what I mean? If they want to jump on just the first, uh, I can't see a situation where they don't want to go back and read from the beginning, but if they just want to start from the image, number one, that's fine with me too. You know, as long as you're on board right now, going forward, I mean, I got a lot of story to tell, so hopefully they're on board for that. I think they will be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, th- I mean, listen, I appreciate, uh, like, the thing, the, the almost like the, the secret of this thing, uh, of this Copra thing uh, being successful for me is word of mouth through podcasts like yours, through doing shows, through friends lending friends copies that really is a, a real thing. And I mean, that's how I discover a lot of my favorite comics and it's been awesome, you know? So, so shows like this, I really appreciate you guys beating the drum and, and supporting the book. That, that means the world to me. Seriously. That's no fucking joke. Oh man. Hey, it's, it's, it's our distinct pleasure. I mean, we say this all the time. It's the, the coolest part of all this. I mean, there's a million cool things about the show and what it's become, but the coolest part has always been, getting to know creators that do work that we love and then hearing that like we had any kind of small part in 
like in the success is like super humbling. Like, you know, we like we, we never any every time we see Jim like rug, like he, he goes out of his way to to remind us of like how many copies of aphrodisiac we sold. And, you know, he, he like he, and he just brings it up every time. So we know it's genuine because he just he can't like stop. from. And it's just like that's ridiculously awesome to think that one of the one of my favorite comics of all time, you know, it, and, and we, we had a hand in, in to the point where 10, 12 years later, he still remembers that that we helped move you and it's like that's just incredibly like that's the power that that is if i had to make a list of the the hundred things that are awesome about doing the show first would be meeting these two losers and becoming buddies with them but second would be that we can actually like have a hand and 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 get great comics exposed to people that otherwise wouldn't have heard of them so yeah that's that's awesome yeah we we definitely appreciate it uh, you guys are the new amazing heroes. What can I say? Oh, oh shit. Oh, oh, oh. That's, a <laughs> that's a pull quote. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> getting that tattooed on my back. But the um, uh, it's it's also, Michelle, it's very easy to talk about what we enjoy when it's so great to talk about. If, if There are things where we may have people ask us, you know, if, if, if we could talk about it on the show and we may try, but there are just some things that don't um, that don't float our boat. But when you have something like Oprah, it's 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 easy. Yeah. Oh man, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me yeah, on. Man. Listen, it was it was awesome, and and we uh, we definitely will uh, chop it up in early October uh, with the issue in hand uh, and see you face to face at the, the Javits. Hell yeah, yeah! Come see me at New York Comic Con for sure. Yeah. So uh, why don't you tell everybody? I mean, I know we they, everybody can find you at Copra.com, but why don't you uh, give everybody a little uh, parting best way to to follow your stuff, get a hold of you, that sort of thing. Well, I'm pretty much on every social media platform. Just look up my name, Michelle Fife. I'm at michellefife.com. I got all my every all the information is there. Every, any any book that I've worked on, uh, I have information how to order. I have examples. I have art. I have essays. I have all sorts of stuff on my sites, um, on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook. I have a Facebook group called the Copra Press Club, and it's just a place where I share stuff that I, I love. And it's 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 a building. Uh, it, it's building a community within a community. So it's it's we share a lot of cool shit in that. You know, uh, uh, interviews, podcasts. Uh, art uh, projects so again i'm the same i'm just trying to talk about stuff i love uh with like-minded people so just look look me up online let's talk about some comics yep. awesome if you ever want to broaden your horizons we do have a fourth chair that's currently empty <laughs> <laughs> i'm just but saying yeah, we see what my schedule looks like but uh nice. keep me in mind yeah, definitely. We don't want to be the cause of, you know, well, the, the cover number four is late again. So, <laughs> yeah, right. the damn podcast. Well, Michelle, thank you for being here with us. It was a an absolute joy. And it was and my pleasure. Guys. Come back anytime you want to. We'll do. All right. right. Absolutely. Right on, man. Have a great night. Take it easy, guys. Fantastic. Yeah. I wasn't exaggerating when I offered the fourth chair. I don't know. I didn't consult both of you before I did it, but that, that, that doesn't that's matter, that's right? But, I mean, he checks off every box on my potential co-host list. Intelligent, well-spoken, great audio quality, and uh, he makes a great freaking comic. So he knows the business, he, and, he, and he, loves, he just loves the medium. So I think you know, he's in the running. Fancy flashback will come back in full force. Oh hell yeah! I I thought I could actually hear you you squirt. 
when he said that we we were the amazing heroes. When he said we're the amazing, we're the new amazing heroes. That was moist. Moist, yeah. Uh, you got something on the wall over there. Yeah, seriously. But that was no, that, that was, was awesome. Fun. Yeah, it it really is. He's one of those people that it's been dumb that it took that long to have him on. I mean, there have been a few other times over the years where we were just chatting and and we're, you know said, hey, you should come on and. He's always been down, and then it just doesn't quite ever work out, just because his schedule or ours. And uh, it's I'm, I'm it's I'm so glad that we finally yeah. were able to do it. And like another said, thing, it won't, it won't be it won't be another eleven years before he's back on. Because right. he is a listener, correct. We didn't have that awkward. Okay, that guy over there is David, and this is Jason right. talking here, and then yeah. this is me. And uh, could you bump up your audio levels a little bit? Get a little bit closer to the microphone. No, he was That's like the- on it from the from the get go. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's true. That to me is money in the damn bank. Yeah, skippy bippy. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about some comics. Can we shake right. it up a little bit and not talk about the X book like right off the bat? <laughs> off the bat. I mean, oh darn. Okay. No. <laughs> I, all right. You if know, you... let's you know, let's start off. Let's start off with a book that we uh, we all read. Um. And uh, which is uh, Coffin Bound. Number one. Did, on your, did you just throw that on your list? Because I didn't see it on your list. I it meant to be. It should be on my list. I don't know yeah, why it's not. not but yeah. But oh. Yes. Sure. But, Let's talk about the coffin bound then. So, Go ahead. Uh, first of all, it's uh, the book caught my attention because it was illustrated by Danny of the One Name Variety, and I know Danny through Paolo. Shout out to Paolo Belfiore at Cadence. Because Paolo loves uh, to get the commit. He's not only an art dealer, but he also is an art collector. And he will frequently hit me up when he comes across a new artist. And most of these artists are not people that he reps, but uh, up-and-coming artists that he'll see or meet at a con or see on IG. He'll hit me up a lot and say, hey, do you know this artist or so forth, so on. And probably like two, maybe three years ago, he hit me up when, when he discovered Danny and she was gracious enough to do a domino commission for me. And uh, I started following her on IG and I, I like her. I love her work. I think it's beautiful, but I had never really thought or seen her as a comics creator, you know, beyond that. Like I didn't even know if it was something she aspired to. So yeah, in the solicits, when I saw that she was going to be doing this, I was pretty stoked for it. And I think she definitely has the chops. Oh, hell yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I no, would but say I mean, that. like, but it was a big like. I wouldn't have been surprised if I opened this book up and thought, "Oh, okay." I mean, like, I knew I liked her visual aesthetic, but as we all know, uh, it doesn't always translate. The no, sentence. right. Yeah, being able to draw a a figure on a piece of paper is a talent for sure, but it is much different talent than being able to tell a sequential story in a compelling way. And uh, and uh, she definitely has the chops for both. Yep. So, what do you guys think of the, of the issue? fans not so much oh very much a fan yeah i um i think the art is uh, you may scream blasphemy but i think the art is frank miller meets walt simonson i could definitely see some miller uh especially with earth eater but i definitely see some uh some miller you don't Um, see the simonson in the the head of the earth eater what yeah the bottom the bottom panel yeah yeah, yeah, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. Um, there's a, um, it's it's not, um, oh, um, 
because it's it's it changes a little bit. Like whatever you think, maybe there's a little bit of a Eduardo Riso. Um, yeah, there's definitely. I, I agree. I see some reason. It 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 changes to something a little bit um, harsher. Like like when she's um, when she's driving and, and talking to her manager, it's like those those fingers and and the lines on on her face. Those that doesn't scream Riso to me. So there's just but but there's there's a lot going on and and i just i i think i think the character i think the design work is 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 i love the vulture i can't stop staring at at see i'm not picking on you i'm not picking on you at all okay but okay and when i and usually when you say that you're going to deliver something that somebody else doesn't want to hear but that's not what i'm doing okay why does it have to be all or nothing what do you mean when i when when someone says i see this in there and and Jay says, "Well, I see Rizzo," and you're like, "Okay, well, that part's Rizzo, but that part's not." No, right? It's, it's like right. these, right? And I'm, it's these little exclamation points that pop up that make us, they they bring us back to the work of someone else, but it's not an a, a big ball of wax type thing, right? Where this is all Simonson. It's not all Simonson. It's nowhere oh, near, right? right. right? Yeah. But when I say, like, I'll see it as something, and the stripper sequence looks to me like. Rizzo, like there's definitely yes, the yes. the camera angles mm-hmm. that Rizzo uses. Uh, who yeah. just yeah, we were just talking about him. Um, the, the American Carnage dude, Jason Leandro. Yeah, Leandro Fernandez. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, um, yeah. Well, of course, is also a, a, a Rizzo acolyte. But yeah, this is yeah. I mean, you could tell, and this isn't a, a, a derogatory statement. You could tell that this is not someone who has been making comics for a very long time. Right, right. Because there are chances taken where a seasoned pro will be like, I'm not doing that angle. That's going to be fucking hard. You know what uh-huh. I mean? I'm going to try and do right. it from another angle. You could just tell that the, the the panel placement, sometimes it looks like 52 pickup where they were just panel shapes just dropped onto a page. And you know, Okay, I'll run with that. And it works, right? But the stripping sequence is the one that really said, okay, I'm sticking with this book because <laughs> it, it's it screams Clive Barker. Where you have um, a fetching uh, woman on stage who literally strips, she peels off, and she's shaven, which gives her big points in my book. Which, which she peels off her skin. That's the stripping part of it. It's like, oh my god, that's beautiful. That, it's, is, that, yeah. that is just brilliant. And especially when she holds the the face out. Yes, after, after slice, it's just it, that's fantastic. And, and the then, face could be panties a little bit too. Like you know what I mean? Bit. There's mm-hmm. a there's a mm-hmm. A conceptual thing there, but I I thought I liked it a lot. I mean, I didn't expect it to be as as I, I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did because mm-hmm. new series first issues, you know, it's 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 a it's a crapshoot, right? Especially from uh, people that you haven't been experienced with the, their work, you haven't experienced their work over over years and decades. But this was it's a, it was surprisingly good, and I'm with David. I think the vultures like kick ass i love it i absolutely yeah. I, action figure there has to be an action figure made of that hopefully this will catch on big time it'll get optioned and then we'll get a, a vulture um action figure oh i'm sure todd will make an extra figure <laughs> yeah no it was great yeah and and we we should say especially if they end up listening to this uh, 
it's it's fun. No, it's funny. Normally we um like normally we, the our the art uh, the comics community gets criticized for not giving the illustrator uh, props, but we haven't mentioned the writer, which is Dan Waters. So yeah, we right. Answer. Yeah, we should. Yeah, it. no, yeah. they I and and you know whatever story they're telling together, Dan, Dan and Danny, I yeah, I'm I'm in for it, but it's it's uh, from what I, I I don't know what the process is like, so. You know, I'm just going by the the finished product, and I I'm I like what I see, and I, I think they work really well together. After one issue, I'm saying I feel like they work well together, and I um there's 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 a lot in here, and and all of it is enough to to move me to want to get the next issue and and see where we're going. I even even Paulie, I'm like I like well that was okay. I kind of I don't know if he came and went, but um. That was, I just, I don't know what to expect. I love the fact that I'm in this world where, uh, I mean, the title is kind of explains itself as the issue goes on, but I don't know, I don't know what the rules are for this world. And and I could take some people at face value, uh, whether they keep it on their body or not, but there's just things that I am curious about and I'm, I'm hooked. So yeah, I am. Um, I was quite pleased. It was surprisingly, surprisingly because I didn't know what to expect, but I, I was pleasantly surprised that it was the the best thing I read last week. Yeah, it's like a grindhouse comic. It's it's neat. It's it's. Uh, well, there's a Bronze Age Marvel Marv Wolfman approach to the storytelling, especially like Mar- Marv and others would do things in in triplicate, like mm-hmm. their their uh, exposition. It'd be like Earth Eater. Blah 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 blah. Earth Eater. Blah 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 blah. And you know what I mean. And that that's in this book. They literally, are, Dan literally re, reproduces the the Earth Eater three times. And and I just go back to those old Bronze Age Marvel comics when Wolfman would say rain, and he'd give a little bit of a detail <laughs> rain, and he'd say this you know something else. And it's a, so it's a good way to capture the reader's attention. But I think I mean it worked really well here because there's three panels on the page, three uh, iterations of the Earth Eater, and it, I just it just worked. I, I, I it, it made me feel comfortable in like yeah I've been here before, but a little uncomfortable in the fact that I don't know who any of these characters are really yet, and it's all new territory. So yeah, you get the best of, of both. I thought it was it was a it was a really fine first issue. Yeah. Even the little things about it, just just some some sometimes the little things work for you. Like uh, the name Izzy Tyburn, I just I think it's a great name. It just it's easy to remember because it's distinctive. Um, it's my mother's name. Your Izzy. mother's name is Izzy. Yeah, I did not know. All these years we've been friends. I didn't know that. Yep, my mom's name's Izzy. There you go. Yep. Is it Isadora? Is that Isabel? Isabella. Okay. No, they called her Izzy. Um, they call her Izzy. Nice. Um, and basically, uh, also, did you guys get like a vibe? I like with the with. I thought the uh, some of the character development. I, I wouldn't be surprised if 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 they were a little Mignola esque to me. Like just the ca- the character design, not the not the way that they were illustrated, but the character design. It seemed like they could be yeah. perfectly fine in a BPRD book, but um, but yeah, no, I dug it a lot, man. I definitely the, Image puts out a lot of first issues, and we read most of them, and. Um, a lot of them go by the wayside just because there's only so much time and money in the world to read comics. But uh, but this one definitely yeah. has me aboard. Exactly. 
I got so nothing. Tennis, fellas. I got nothing to add. I, I think you, you both were spot on. It's it was uh, surprisingly uh, good. Hit the spot. It did. Yeah. Boom. What else? Oh, I, I, I might as well just go with the, the, yeah, thing, the thing that's going to make its way to my 11 O'Clockers in some shape or form. It's, uh, oddly enough, I hope people don't think that IDW has a chokehold on the Disney Ducks because uh, Dark Horse keeps putting stuff out. I, I don't know what the, what the deal they got going is, but Dark Horse and IDW are doing Disney books. Um, and this is uh, a done-in-one, an OGN. It was written by Bruno Enna, illustrated by Fabio Celloni, and color art by Luca Merli. And it is Disney Frankenstein starring Donald Duck. Now, you should note, or I should note, that um, concurrently, there was a Disney Dracula with Mickey Mouse. And I read that right. too. Which is Dark Horse, right? Yeah, Dark Horse as so, well. So Dark Horse is doing the... The adaptations, if you want to say that. Well, these are, yeah, and again, I, you can tell they are. This is Italian, and IEW is doing yes. the Italian stuff too. I don't know how it works. Um, D- Dark Horse is not doing singles, but IEW is, and they're also right. doing collections. So, I mean, the the business side of this thing is a mystery to me. They must. Isn't Fanta also doing collections? Are they also? They're doing yes, yeah, and Fanta is branching out into the Italian stuff now too. So right, that's what I mean. It's yeah. just a big old mess. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, whatever. But I mean, it's the salad days of ducks. I mean, if you're a duck fan, now you can get duck books from a, a plethora of publishers, and they're all of a certain quality, which is very good. Pirates um, for days, Vince. Yeah, the the Dracula was good. I enjoyed it, but it doesn't have the conceptual hook that this Frankenstein does. Um, and, okay, so you're thinking Disney. And you form a mental picture when you think Disney. Family-friendly, um, stuff for kids, uh, non-threatening, uh, G-rated, okay? Which poses a problem when adapting the classic Mary Shelley work of Frankenstein. Because you have murder, um you have grave robbing, you have cadavers and, and medical experimentation. Uh, how do you bring that to the page? Well, the answer is you don't. You adapt the story in a new and different way, which won my heart over. Because as the book opens, you got Captain Walduck, and he's sailing towards the North Pole, and he sees a creature on the ice, on a sled, you know, with the dogs and the creatures, massive. So it opens very much in the same way as Mary Shelley's novel does. Um, and they fish Victor Duckenstein out of the, the, the water, and he's, he's you know, semi-frozen. And um, they bring him aboard, and he tells him, you know, where are you going? He's like, okay, I'm going to North Pole. He's like, okay, I'll come with you. And as he recuperates from his, his uh, freezing uh, incident, he begins to tell a story. He tells the story of how he got there. And uh, Victor's parents believed that it was time for their little duck to go see the world, so they send him to live with his uncle, one Scrooge von Duck, who is also raising the daughter of a friend, Daisy Beth Duck, right? And Victor and Daisy become friends, and Victor falls in love with Daisy and vice versa, but Victor never tells Daisy that he loves her. And all the while... Victor loves to draw and paint and sculpt. And he, he would draw these fantastic creatures and sculpt in ice um, 
effigies of Daisy, and he would never step over that line and tell her how much he loved her. Um, but Victor believes that there's a way to animate his creations. There's a way to bring these drawings to life. And he, he reads these magical tomes, uh, one written by the great duck, and he studies the work of an alchemist named Duck Celsus um, in hopes of bringing life, uh, animating his drawings. Now, when you think Disney, what he's trying to animate his drawings. Now, that conceptually <laughs> is like, wow, all right, I, I'm paying attention now because that is not a place that I thought this book would ever go, right? So he plays with electricity and he almost destroys Scrooge's home. So Uncle Scrooge says, all right, you're done. I'm going to send you away to school. You're going to Ingolstadt and you're going to study some some worthwhile subjects, not this art crap that you've been playing around with. Um, so while Victor's there, he meets uh, Professor von Olduck and this other uh, big brain called Guy Rempe, and it's Gyro Girilus, but anyway. And, and they scoff at his worship of Old Duck and Duck Celsus, and they're like, no, 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 you need to study anatomy. Look at your drawings. They're bad. You need to study anatomy, and you need science in your work because science is an art, and art is a science, and you need to blend the two. And... um you need to, 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 to embrace the physical world and bring that into your work. And this is where it gets really strange. Professor Von Olduck creates cardboard. Okay. He makes cardboard for the first time. He's like, I have an invention, and I think it's wonderful, but it's very limited. It, it, it's, it's relegated to boxes. And, and I don't know what shipping containers are, but I'm sure they'll be useful someday. And and uh, Victor's looking at it, and the Professor Old Duck did a string of cut-out dolls in cardboard. You know, when you fold the paper and you, you, you cut out half the doll and you unfold it, and it's just a string of replicated dolls? And Victor's looking at it, and he's like, hmm. So he he follows Professor Old Duck in the middle of the night. Professor Old Duck would take the detritus from his experience, his experiments, and he would bury them. So Victor digs him up. So he, there's the grave robbing aspect of Frankenstein covered. He digs up all this cardboard and he creates, he sculpts a creature out of cardboard and he paints him. And through electricity mixed with the alchemy, mixed with whatever, the creature comes to life. And it's a creature of cardboard. And he, he uses the giant Frankenstein monster boots they're made out of lead because the creature's so light that it would float away. It would blow away if he didn't have the lead boots on. Like they covered their bases in this book. It's wonderful. Um, and the, so Victor thinks the experiment's a failure and he leaves the laboratory. Meanwhile, the creature comes to life and it doesn't, it can't speak. It's got these plugs in its ears. The, the traditional bolts that were on the universal, uh, Frankenstein monster's neck are in its ears. And Victor put them in, in its ears because he didn't want the electricity to blow his eardrums. So he, he plugged its ears. So the monster's walking around. I don't want to call him a monster because he's not. Um, the, the cardboard being is walking around thinking that he can't hear. He's, he's trying to talk to people and he's, arr, arr, you know, much like Boris Karloff in the original movie. Um, and people are running away from him in, in fear. And he, he gets to this old man's farm. And uh, the old man is blind, much like the incident in the Universal films. So um, the the 
monster goes into his barn and he can see through a slat in the in the wood between the barn and the house and the old man is trying he's french he's trying to teach himself english so he's reading out loud from a book that's how the monster learns how to speak and read and he pulls the plugs out of his ears is like holy shit i can hear and the monster is very smart and very compassionate and very um uh he's got a lot of heart but he he's physically very misshapen he's got the flat top head like the boris karloff frankenstein but he's a big gigantic duck and he's green and he's very imposing if you thought you know if you didn't know him but he's got a heart of gold and the, the story just catapults out from there um there's uh, the requisite silliness of a Disney book. There's some sequences that are just plain silly, but uh, there's a, a love triangle between Gladstone and Don, and Victor and Daisy. Gladstone's going to marry Daisy because that's what Uncle Scrooge wants. Meanwhile, Victor loves Daisy, and um, the the uh, the monster's appearance kind of breaks up the wedding. There's uh, the nephews are in it, but they're not Huey, Dewey, and Louie. They're Wim, Wolf, and Waldo, and they are inquisitive docs like they are in in the regu- in the other stories. But visually, oh my God, you got to see this thing! I'm putting uh, pages from it in the gallery on the uh, episode thread on our at website eleven o'clockcomics.com. Fabio Saloni is a monster. The it it is it's gorgeous, gorgeous cartooning. Uh very detailed, very dense. Um he'll litter the background with bric a brac, like there's no stone left unturned in this thing. The 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 characters uh Donald has hair and uh long, long black hair, and he, he wakes up one morning with a shock of of white hair and it looks like Johnny Depp in that like his hair in um what was it uh sweeney todd sweeney todd yeah it's just it's an amazing amazing achievement but the thing that got me was that victor created animation of his drawings yes he crafted them out of cardboard but still it conceptually it's it's so much in line with the modus operandi of disney that the it was it's an empire built on moving drawings right so i just thought i thought this thing was freaking wonderful and it's it's just a joy to look at the cartooning is brilliant so if you have I, it was cheap too it's only um uh 10.99 for a glossy um it's it's a smaller format than a regular comic it looks like it's about six by eight uh but it is just a treasure the 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 polar ice scapes are beautiful the insides of the the ship is wonderful um it's got a naturally has a gothic edge to it which is is perfectly in line with the source material i just thought it was a complete and utter uh home run yeah awesome yeah it's great it looks fantastic well um i it doesn't take me much to order italian duck books like if if there's a slot in my 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 DCBS order that needs to be filled and there's a a duck book offered that was done by the Italians, I'm gonna throw it in. Uh, but this was I didn't. This was a kind of a surprise because I'm used to ordering it from IDW and I saw a couple on the dark horse. I'm like, yeah, why not? After discount, it was like six bucks and change, you know. So I got both the Dracula and the the Frankenstein, and and they're both wonderful. It's just that this Frankenstein is is 
a couple notches of more wonderful than the Dracula. Plus, the Dracula was Mickey. I mean, I, I like Mickey, but if I had my druthers, I would go with the duck over the mouse every time. Yeah. There you go. Disney Frankenstein starring Donald Duck. And the, the, the creature's name is Growl. <laughs> they, they call him Growl because that's, that's the first sound he makes. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it's it's very very cute, but it's not uh, saccharine cute. It's it's very very well done. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sweet. I mentioned this in our chat with Michelle briefly, but uh, I don't know if you guys are. Let me see the list. Let's see, uh, I don't think you guys are uh, on this yet, but you need to be on the Silver Surfer Black. It's it's special. Well, I have them. Yeah, yeah, I haven't read the third issue yet. I haven't. I got the third issue yesterday. I haven't read it yet. Okay, this is one of those things where I think I've read the second issue a lot. Right. Yeah, I think the story's cool, so that's awesome. But like, even if the story was absolutely nonsensical, what what Trad is doing on the art is just mind blowing. And it's so Trad Moore's an interesting cat because, and you know, we've seen this firsthand. Um, He's a cool dude. We've had a chance to hang out with him. He is extremely talented. But but he's one of those artists that it's he's like an artist's artist, meaning um in the in the artist community, other other modern day creators genuflected his art. Right? Like he's one of those guys, like where you if you're hanging out in Artist Alley and his name comes up, people are all like, Holy shit, this guy, you know? And he is a very it's very stylized his art. So I'm I'm sure there is some sector of of our listening um, base that that doesn't vibe on his art, and that's fine. You know, it's, it is what it is. But he's one of those guys who, beyond any subjective measure, is just beloved by his fellow creators. And uh, it's I always take note of those particular creators. You know, Stuart Eminen's another one, right? Like you can't bring up Stuart Eminen's name without Same, every yeah. other artist saying, "Holy shit!" Like he's one of the best, right? Yep. Um, so so and I, I've been a fan of Moore's work for sure. Um but I don't know, man, like this is like the perfect thing for him. Like I think this is just him getting to go absolutely batshit bananas crazy with, with cosmic forces and psychedelic ideas, and it's just it's incredible. And the third issue is the best yet. It's inc- I mean the 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 premise I try and uh, keep it relatively spoiler free. The premise is Surfer's doing his thing. He comes into conflict with uh with Null, who uh if that name doesn't mean anything to you out there, Null is the relatively newly created uh god who is responsible for creating the symbiotes. This is a, a concept that was uh, that Donnie Cates and and Steggy created. So uh, this book is also written by Donnie Cates, and so it's no surprise that he is bringing Null into this as well. So it's Null versus the Surfer. Null gets the leg up, at least at first, and uh, Surfer's arm actually turns black, like a symbiote black, and he's he's being poisoned. And so Surfer decides he can't defeat Null on his own. He needs to elicit some help, get a little posse going. And who's he go see first but Ego the Living Planet? Awesome. And the third issue is basically... Surfer hanging out with Ego, trying to convince him to help him, and it becomes a little bit of a quid pro quo: you scratch my core, I'll scratch your back, type of thing. And then, just like we got a massive cliffhanger at the end of the first issue when we realized the big bad was null, 
uh, Donnie and 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 Trad give us an an equally huge cliffhanger at the end of this one when we find out what is at the ego's core that is making him sick. So it's just a bananas off the wall book. It doesn't have to. It doesn't. I, I mean, I guess it fits into continuity, but it doesn't have to be. You could just uh, read this. Yeah, just read this. You know, yeah, it, it who doesn't, cares it when doesn't it looks matter. this good? Right. It the only thing it, it's there's a there's a connection to um, the New Guardians of the Galaxy book because the first issue deals with Surfer catching our heroes, our cosmic heroes, from the first issue of Donnie's Guardians of the Galaxy. After that, it's a completely it's its own thing. His, its own Silver Surfer tale. So, but okay. I mean, aside from that slight connection, which again, if if you weren't reading Guardians of the Galaxy, that's just hey, there's Beta Ray Bill and a couple of the characters. That's cool, and now they're gone, and that's you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, man, oh man, I gotta say, like, I, I I just think this art is exceptional. It's just exceptional. It looks fantastic. The colors right. are popping. The colors it's, are absurd. <laughs> and again, the, each, the third issue, the colors, because it's ego, and, and he goes inside of ego. The pl- you know, so you see all the different layers. It's just ridiculous. I mean, it's 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 there's so many vibrant colors in the book. It should be offensive. It should actually not work. Um, I think, and Vince could speak this far better than I can, being an artist. It it, it struck me as a guy that really understands color theory because because you can get you start throwing a lot of very bright colors all mashed together on the same page it can get wonky it can get messy and seem overdone and uh and there are a lot of colors on every page of this book and yet somehow he makes it all make sense and that doesn't feel like a very easy thing to do you think dave stewart's been doing it a while no i know i know i know but, <laughs> i know you but like this is a much different book than yeah, this isn't helpful. someone <laughs> a dave stewart book yeah. they're picturing the 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 Mignola verse right yeah like now, admittedly, that's an unfair criticism, or not criticism, that's an unfair characterization because Dave obviously does do those books and, and is known for them, but he, he colors a ton of other books too. But but this does feel to me different than what you would think of when you think of Dave Stewart because it's so vibrant. Like it's it's it, and, and it's it's interesting because the Silver Surfer book that was long running by Slot and the All Reds, you know, Laura is known for that very poppy pure bright color scheme when she colors books and uh this is that on a whole nother level because uh dave is using like fluorescent colors and i mean he's he's just going to town so two huge thumbs up yeah it's a treat it it better be an oversized hardcover (laughs) i mean because marvel's known for that but um (laughs) No, I, I I agree with you. I, I think it's a book that definitely deserves the 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 the, sh- the shelf porn treatment. So I hope that happens. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I think it will. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. So what else, fellas? David. Um. Well, we already discussed the um. Uh, the I see a lot of freaking Star Trek books on your list, buddy. Well, yeah, there's, but those are actually those, those could have been quick hits. They, 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 they um, they're the um, the little golden books, which I saw in previews, and and this, the third one finally came out um, in the last box. But the first one is, and and they're really they're they're, they're bedtime story books. It's it's um, the the illustrations are in the book are are fantastic by um, 
Ethan Beavers. But uh, the first one is I'm Captain Kirk. Basically just, you know, gives you um, what Kirk does on the bridge and the missions he takes his team on and and uh, and some of his friends and um, shipmates. And then the other book is I'm Mr. Spock, which just like the Kirk book goes into detail a little bit about Spock. He's a Vulcan. This is what he does as a science officer. This is, um, these are the people he, he works with. But the, um, the third one was probably my favorite. It's called too many tribbles. And it's basically, uh, it's based on the trouble with tribbles episode from the original series. And, and it's a very short, um, and very pretty recap of that issue. It doesn't, um, they don't show Scotty drinking and getting drunk before he starts the fights with the Klingons, but it does um, it does show the scene of them on the space on, on the station um, when Scotty and, and the Klingons get in each other's faces because no one insults the Enterprise in front of Scotty. But it is your typical little golden book, um, complete with the the trade dress that you would expect um, in the back, complete with the um, list of little golden books like the pokey little puppy and nice. you have um uh there are more than 200 timeless little golden books to share here just a few of them but yeah this was um this was just one of those things where it's the emotional attachment being a little golden book um and uh just for some reason having a star trek themed one I, i'm sure there's you know i mean i don't know if they have one for I can I can definitely see them doing one for Transformers. Um and there's there's no there's no shortage of of things that they could um take off with with, with these if they wanted to if, if it needs a kick in the pants or, or, or any um boost. But it's um it was neat and it was it was a uh eight for, for, for five bucks retail. Um there are uh and, and it's it's a nice thick front and back cover it really feels like uh like the books i i had back way 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 when um but something that i wanted to touch on last week actually when vincent i tagged on uh on union travels but this was um this was a collection it's a burger book um collecting the five issues that Dark Horse published, uh, I believe, last year. It is Anthony Bourdain's Hungry Ghosts, and it is written by Bourdain and um, Joel Rose. And the artists that tell these tales, it's an anthology. Um, it's a horror book. And uh, you have Alberto Ponticelli, uh, Vanessa Del Rey, Leonardo Manco, uh, Mateus Santaluco, Sebastian Cabral, Paul Pope, Irene Coe, and Francesco Francovia. And dang. it is it is a good and it's got a ribbon bookmark. Uh, and the bookmark is there because at the back of the book are recipes, and um, because the story it's it's an anthology. But it's it has a burning theme. There's there's, there's a framing sequence, um, but apparently Anthony and um, 
and Joel are fans of the old um, EC comics uh, from the pre-code days. And they, um, this is kind of their, um, their toast to, to those, to those titles. Um, and the idea is a very rich person gets, um, gets, gets his friends together for a wonderful evening. Um, and he, uh, he puts on, a dinner for his guests in, in Montauk, New York. Uh, he won, or he he uh, he was the highest bid on um, on the ch- at the charity auction for the chefs who were making the meal for the evening. Um, and they all come from different backgrounds, and they all actually. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're actually modeled on chefs that uh, that Anthony may know. Um, so they, the Russian, the, the, the host of the evening wants everybody to, uh, he, he, after the meal, the chefs come out and they all get to sit with the, um, with the guests and, uh, they have, um, a little bit of amusement that the host wants to, uh, wants everybody to, uh, he, he basically says, listen, I want everybody to um to tell a story um this it's a samurai game um called caden and it's it was um the warriors would gather uh first for a feast then for a game of nerves you would light 100 candles as night fell the warriors came together go in the room where all the candles were lit and a table um there's a mirror placed on a table the men sat in a circle, told stories, scary stories of monsters, of ghosts, of shapeshifters. Um, upon the end of each tale, the storyteller would extinguish one candle, look in the mirror to ensure that he had not himself been possessed, and then return to rejoin his fellows. Um, with Obviously, with each passing story, with each passing tale, the room grows darker. Uh, the tales may also be scarier grow more frightening um and just get to see who uh who makes it to the end so the chefs start telling their stories and that's where each each issue kind of um goes and they're all um there's one story that that's basically straight out of something that uh that ito would would tell um the pirates is the one by Vanessa Del Rey, and it is about a woman who, a bunch of pirates see a woman thrown, either she's thrown off the docks or she throws herself off the docks to get away from the angry mob. They rescue her, um, but of course they're not um, subtle in what they expect from her for rescuing her. So she, um, she, the captain first, and so he takes her uh, into the captain's quarters, and she, um, she proceeds to go down on him only to remove with her teeth um, his pride and joy. And then she goes one by one to all the members of the crew, um, slowly turning into a creature of the sea, 
some xenomorph looking uh crawfish and uh she says um if you want your balls back uh you will give me your plunder in exchange and uh if not you can be spineless as well as ballless from here on out um the salty horse is a bit of a um it's a story of of gluttony um about a man who eats every horse on his farm and um and then is 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 met with a demon one night um the heads is pretty interesting it's about um the chef and and his uh the other members of the um of the kitchen staff um their heads leave their bodies and and they just kind of float around and scare everybody um it was beautifully drawn. Manko, fantastic illustrator for the story, but the story itself was just just kind of weird, especially the way it ended. Um, but as with every anthology, there are some things that are just going to be a little bit oh yeah sure uh, of a miss. But for the but I mean art wise, it's it, one story after another is just gorgeous. The one with Paul Pope is the freakiest story called the Boil um, in the Belly about a um, about a man a chef. Who goes home to see his family? He feeds his family. Um, he goes to bed and um, wakes up due to some excruciating pain uh, in his belly. And his mother comes to check on him, and it looks like he's got a boil. But when she um, she prods the boil, it, it, it's growing a little bit. And then next time she looks, there are lips that are formed around it, and it's saying "feed me." And so. He, it's, it's near his belly button, but it's not his belly button. Um, and she's feeding it, just sticking, sticking food on a fork and feeding this other mouth on his belly. Uh, he, uh, he gets it excised through his, uh, through his rectum. And then, um, yeah. And then, uh, then the family cuts the parasitic worm all to pieces, but unfortunately every piece then grows a mouth and no one's paying attention. And, um, as one of the pieces crawls up mom's leg, uh, the story ends. So they're also kind of open ended. So you get to kind of go along and, and, and figure out when the horror might actually end, but it is, um, the, uh, the Frank Avia story looks just like a, and it looks like he also had fun drawing it, but it's, um, it's, it's, it's a pretty, it's a gorgeous looking collection. Um, I really want to make the meatballs recipe, but there's, um, it's, it's a really nice hardcover. I was, um, I saw the spine at the library and I do like Bourdain. So I figured I'd, uh, I still haven't read the, um, I, I haven't read, um, the sushi story. I, there's a lot I haven't read that, that he's done, but, um, I saw the opportunity to grab this and, and I wasn't disappointed. It was, it's, it's crazy. And, uh, if you like an anthology, if you like food based anthologies, if you like horror comics and you haven't read this, then I would definitely, um, definitely recommend it. Yeah. I'm on the other side of you. I've read get hero, but I haven't read this. So maybe I need to, I need to read get hero. Yes. Right on. So is enough time past Vince. Do you want to talk about powers of 10 now? Might as well. (laughs) Yeah. Do it. What'd you think? Mm. 
I may be oh. on I may be on information overload. Yeah. I I don't know if if I'm on information overload as much as I am um I just like the first issue of this title um where we're we're jumping from one timeline to 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 the next um and and Cyclops is shown to be a pretty decent badass, so I'm not mad about that. But I don't know if um, I guess I guess I just I wanted more, and I, and and not not in a selfish way. I mean, based on the way the first three issues were, um, I felt like you know, yeah, I wanted more when it was done, but at least I was I was content with what we were given before getting the next issue. This, this was, this may have, um, it's weird. Cause there, there's some things that are, there are important items that you might want to consider in this issue. But I, but, but of the four we've read so far, this one's the first one to me that's felt like filler. I see. I'm I'm of the opposite mind. I just think it's too much. I think it's too much information. Um, Maybe that's what it is. The Nibiru aspect of it, and Nimbus Nibiru, and then the the whole phalanx coming in at the end with the 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 societal or the planetary uh, levels at the end. It's just I, I don't mind dense storytelling. I don't mind complex storytelling. Um, I, Burroughs is my favorite author. I love J.G. Ballard. Like, I love meaty, very complex storytelling when I can read it all in one shot. The fact that there's weeks that go by between the two issues, it's, I'm sure the stuff is going to read better when it's, when it's all collected. And I don't mean better in a sense that the work is suddenly going to get more enjoyable. No, it's because, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, too much to process at one shot um maybe the fact that they're doing 12 issues of it um is a detriment i don't know but the the weekly format and then this just blitzkrieg of data and information it's just it's it like i'm struggling under it now okay like what happened in the first issue and how does it relate to this with the 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 mass the mother mold sat, uh, sentinel and it's spewing out it's just there's a lot to take in. We haven't come up for air yet. It's been four weeks, and we and and I haven't. It's I mean it's 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 visually. Um, I, I can't. There is you're right. It's, there is whether it's whether it's the text pieces or I mean, and and there are cool moments like when when you know Nimrod, um, someone's talking under his breath. To, uh, How stupid yeah. was he? Like. <laughs> You just thought he was tired. He was just, but, um, and then of course we find out that it's not Groot, nor is it Black Tom Cassidy. Um, but yeah, they're, they're just, and I guess part of it is I'm not getting enough, like, okay, so then we're, we're, we're back with Rasputin and, um, and Cardinal, but that's just a couple of pages. And then, and then we're in the X-Men year 1000. So there's just, there's not, I guess I'm not, getting maybe i'm not getting enough of what i want I, I i understand you know this is the story he's telling and 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 um whatever mood he's in is is, is the way the story is going to go but i guess i 
we we end one one era and and then we're in another era and and I wasn't done with the last one. I mean, he's telling me I'm done for this week, but I wasn't done living there and and I wanted I wanted more of that now whether that that's good or bad, I don't know, but it when I look at it in the grand scheme of things with what we've had so far, um I'm not I mean, the flame isn't dying for me, but it's just not um I didn't put this issue down going, yeah, where's the next one? I just it's it's there's too much weight like the fact that the mutants are working with apocalypse that alone is gigantic but there's no processing time this freaking thing came out wednesday (laughs) yeah it's it's thursday now like how do you how do you assess the weight of everything that he's doing here in a day even i mean and we haven't even received the rest of the parts of the story like I, i i can't there's no i'm trying to connect dots and he's obviously left some dots off the page because that's what you do when you create sequential work you know periodicals you leave some stuff for the reader to discover down the line before the thing is finished and it's just it's daunting it's like sorry jesus it's, it's uh, yeah i can't soldiers. i can't really it's it's just there's too much to process by week hmm. I just, I just think it's overload. But now Jason can tell us how wrong we are. No, I mean, how you, it's your opinion. I mean, I, I'm, I'm on the other side of it. I, I love this issue. I, I, I'm, I'm all about it. I'm, I'm all about the, the, the. Give me all the data. I gobble up data for a living, so give me the data. I, I'm all about it. So, but I mean, I do think if you peel back, I mean, I, I, I think with each successive, because the book, this book is Powers of Ten, F Ten, and so we're jumping in, in. Uh, in time, we're time shifting by multiples of 10, um, you know, 10, 10, 10 squared, 10 cubed. Um, I think with each successive jump to the future, there's understandably a lot less that we understand because it's newer and or it's 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 far more uh, abstract from the current reality. So, I, I mean, but that doesn't bother me. I, I will say that, I mean, we start off with year one and, and I think it's cool because we get I think relatively straightforward. There's not a lot to digest there. The meeting of Charles and Magneto and Mora. And based on what we learned with the last issue of Mora and her mutant power, she, in this reality, we see why in, in the, in the current time they're working together, which is that she lets Magneto see, uh, all of the lives that she's lived and all that she knows. And that's enough to give him, the impetus to work with Charles on a unified vision for the first time. And I just think Hickman's got these characters down because Magneto's like, all right, man, bet like I'm on board, but like, I'm going to be up your ass. Like the second you get soft, I'm up on you, you know? And, uh, so I thought like that part was very straightforward and connects dots. Well, yeah, that does. Yeah. And then the, and then the modern part, I mean, I still, I think we're supposed to be wondering, like, I I just can't, it it can't be Charles in that mask, right? Like it can't be. (laughs) But but then again, I mean, how would they, how would it not be? Because they all I don't know. I guess it is, but like he's so fit, and you never see him without the the mask on, which can't be a mistake. I mean, it can't be that that has to be intentional. So oh yeah, right. Um, so I guess that is a mystery. But I with you. I mean, you got to be loving. I mean, they haven't. I mean, Cyclops hasn't been this right in a long time. <laughs> Seriously, dude. No, because I mean, because he's been he's been a he was a bitch for a while. Then he was dead. Then he was a villain, basically a terrorist. I mean, now at least he's back to being slim, which is you know, and a badass and a team leader and a 
you know, we're going to take care of business, which I think yeah. is cool. If it's um, got to get done, it'll get done. Yeah. Um, so, and the premise is that, look, there, the this human group, which we were introduced to, is building this space station, which we know that they do, the Mother Mold, which is a, a next-generation Sentinel, and it's going to start creating other Sentinels, and they believe that this is what gives birth to Nimrod. So they're like, oh, shit, so we need to take care of business. But it's going to be a super hard thing because they need to go into space and a full frontal attack on a base that was built by a group who wants to have nothing to do, that wants to eradicate mutants. And uh, they're going to go on that. And then, yeah, and then I agree with you, Vince. Like, then once we get to year 100, things start getting harder to decipher. Um, I'm not at all put off by them working with Apocalypse because we know that Apocalypse has been good in recent Marvel Comics years because he was re-aged and is actually a member of the X-Men. And then we know from the solicits that in one of the books, Apocalypse is a member of, uh, of one of the teams. So um, I think like we didn't, we, we got the answers to the debate we were having last time, which is that these are not, this isn't Wolverine. This isn't Logan a uh, hundred years later. This is a, uh, this isn't, he is yet another, um, Mutant X-43. That's been, yeah, been, that's been cloned from a bunch of others. So he's a he's wider, strong, you know, he's 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 de- he's so he so that's cool. I'm happy that it's not just like Logan just not getting old. Um and then the Nimrod stuff was a little confusing because I don't quite get like he's a dick, but like he's trying to be funny. Yeah. But who's he trying to be funny for? Like he's a machine, I don't know. Um, as David alluded, we find out that the plant dude is at least in part, I don't know if it's in total, but in part is, is Cypher. And, and yeah. And, and Krakoa. Right. So that's interesting, right? Like Krakoa and Cypher all merged, which would make sense because the last time when we think of Cypher, we think of Cypher with With Warlock. Warlock So that's a cool idea. Um, it's another version of Zorn. I, again, I don't know if that is the same Zorn or, and that would be, a, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess since Zorn is a, a, a embodiment of a, of a star, I guess that's possible that he could live for a long time. Um, so yeah. And then, and then I'm with you like the, 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 it does seem overwhelming and hard to figure out why it matters. The next part, which is this big, long description of, of how, they created this new super sentient planet and, and that that sentient planet became Nimbus and that that thing is now evolved and is, is, and then we're in year 1000 and, and, and the, the, the phalanx shows up and it's communicating in this weird wonky language. And it says that we, and ask what we want. One of the characters says Ascension, whatever the fuck that means. And then we get this description of all these different types of society. So I'm with you. I mean, that, that last part was kind of head scratching, but it's probably not a coincidence that they end with it, right? Like they ended with an infographic. Yeah. So, um, so I guess I don't feel bogged down by it. I, I don't, but I don't disagree with you that it's a lot to take in and I'm not, it, at, at present, we, we don't know how it all connects. Although, yes, I would agree that really for me, the test will be, do we, by the end have the aha moment? Or not, because with Hickman, that's what it's all about, is connecting all the dots by the time the thing is over. Um, and um, his storytelling style, when he does these long-form things, is not for everybody, right? I mean, I, I loved his Avengers run. I loved his Fantastic Four run. But you got to commit. I mean, you don't get <laughs> answers for years. You get 
more clues. And then at the end, he wraps it all up and it makes all sense. And you're like, if you stuck with it, you at least for me, I'm like, holy shit. Like it did all connect. It really did all connect. But but yeah, I mean, we're not going to be we're not going to get that payoff. And if anything, I guess you could say we're going to get that payoff so much sooner than we normally do because it's 12 issues. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure some of it's going to have to it, it, it's going to lead into the ongoings that are come right. from this. But I'm 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 hoping that I can get something that would look like a complete story with these 12 issues. Oh, I think you will. I think so. Yeah, it was a major hurdle just to get me to read this thing because no, again, I know. I'm not beholden to the X-Men. But yeah. it's so conceptually deep that that's what's keeping me there. But on the – I mean it may sound like you know a bit hypocritical. It's so conceptually deep that reading it every week is a problem because we read many other things during the week and trying to put all those little boxes in the compartments where they belong and try to pull back and look at that big pixelated picture and have it make sense. It's, it's impossible when the book comes out on a Wednesday and we're talking about it on a Thursday. Like it's, sure. it's, 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 it's daunting, but I mean, that's Hickman. Hickman is daunting. He's, he's that the guy true. that's um, a little bit too smart for his own good, but it, it works well. You know. Well, and what's interesting is House of X two was red, and then this was this is not, and then we don't have any we don't have any red issues until House of X number five. And it's in the middle of September. Yeah. But the next one is Powers of Ten number three. Right. So right. We're, we're we're reversing them for the next two weeks. Yeah, we get two powers, then two houses, and then yep. we alternate again, yeah. I enjoyed it. It's just I, I like to take my time and process. And I, you, it's uh, when when all is said and done, I'll reread them, and then it will. I'm sure a lot of the stuff that I'm I'm missing will will make more sense. So what you're saying is, whoever's idea it was to do a deep dive on this the day it comes out. No, I'm not saying that at all. I think I, I think it needs a deep dive, <laughs> but it's it's a it. You can only go so deep. And you, there's no way we can retain all the information from the pre, the previous. Can you go balls deep? I guess if they allow it. Um, but what I said is, you you need to process this with the information that we're already given, and right. it's 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 not always able to do that. Mm-hmm. So good stuff. I mean, I'm reading X Men. <laughs> that's a that's a huge <laughs> deal, right? That is. That's why I don't. I don't. I'm getting nervous that we're only four issues in, and you're starting to be like, eh. No, there's no eh about it. It's just that when <laughs> when something slaps me down, I want to run into it full force, and I can't do it because it's not all there yet. Right. Well, it's well, just like the, the it's triangle error. It's a damn challenge. Well, it is, and it isn't. I mean, right? Yeah. No. I mean, we weren't getting there was a lot of over there. Right. Yeah, it was, it was, a, lot there was of fluff. a lot more action. It was like right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Bibbo's going to come in, and there's your comic. Nimrod is not Bibbo, so no. There's uh, no matter how funny he's trying to be, but there's just, um, yeah. I mean, that, that that's apples and oranges. But I mean, the weekly, the weekly format isn't new ground here. But the way Hickman is delivering the information and telling the story, where where some we've been reading comics long enough, and based on 
past stories, past characters, past writers, you may know if they have, they may have a tell or, or a certain way to, um, <laughs> to tell a story. You. No, she did not. Um, we can kind of maybe guess things as, as they go. Whereas, you know, that you may think no matter how long you've been reading X-Men, you may think, you know, where Hickman's going with something. Um, only to find out, yeah, what you thought that could have been, as inconsequential as it may end up being, was not close to what he had intended. So it's 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 a mystery to all of us. Mm-hmm. You, neither of you are reading Second Coming, right? I have the first issue. I haven't read it yet. I know the second issue just came out. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. I think Mark Russell's really talented. Yep. Like I think Flintstones was phenomenal. Right. Um, and and I thought this book was tailor made for me, based on the solicits. And Richard Pace is a fantastic illustrator. But two issues in, I'm not sure it's the hotness. I think. For this book to be what I expected it to be, and maybe it's a me thing, not a them thing, I thought it needed to be a little bit more, um, I, don't, I don't know if controversial is the word, but a little bit more sacrilegious. Like, it's 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 a little too nice. Yeah, I'm with you. Yep. Yeah, right? Like, it's it's... I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe it goes crazier places as it goes on, but 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 so far it's sort of nicey nice, and I don't I don't know. Then that, that then I don't then I wonder what's the point of it all. Yeah. Like like right now, God is just a character, and he's sort of like the Big Lebowski. He's like a dude, and then Jesus is this really namby pamby dude who like just doesn't really do anything. He's kind of just a Mushad dude that's just like kumbaya and he's following around the Superman analog and we have seen much better biting Superman analogs in other places at least today including like the Highlander or or uh, you know like anything you uh, like anything you want to you know there's there's plenty but or like what Wade did with Irredeemable but um, so yeah I don't know like you know we're only two issues in so, so maybe it's going to go other places but I just after finishing the second issue I thought hmm like it's a little milk toast. I thought I was in trouble when Adam and Eve were eating from the tree of knowledge, and there were dicks and vaginas on the on the fruit. Like the the her she was eating the the fruit and as a giant penis, and and his fruit had a, a vagina on it. And it's just like, oh, okay, I get it. So yeah, so so and, sex is the forbidden knowledge. Like no. Stuff. Yeah, and it's like maybe because I just watched the boys, the TV show, and so that 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 comic series is still fresh in my mind because it mm. came back. I I I struggle like love or hate the boys. At least what it was is it was an unabashed, visceral send up of superheroes. Right? It 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 made them as puerile and egotistical and selfish as possible in an extreme way. And again, that if that's not for you, that's fine too. But, but that was what they were, he was doing. And in this, you know, I'm getting the same kind of thing. I'm getting these justice league analogs sitting around in a self-help group, mocking each other, but they're not, they're not crushing each other and they're not doing vile things. They're just making kind of dumb jokes at each other. 
and it just it feels just a little. It almost feels like if DC had actually seen these issues before the solicits. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> if they wouldn't have just been like, okay, yeah, you can print this. Right. That's right. It's really not that scathing at all. No, it's, uh, at least not yet. Maybe it maybe it changes, but um, yeah. I mean, I guess if you're very religious, you could be insulted by the way they have God kind of being just a, a self-centered party dude and not really caring about the outcome of his actions. But yeah, come on, know. it doesn't really take much to incite those people. No, right. I'm saying I, I would think there's been a lot worse said or or done. Um, and listen, all respect to bringing back Burger Chef and Chi Cheese and Kenny Rogers Roasters. Um, but like, if that's the if that's the the the, the but um bump joke of the issue, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, I won't read past the first issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, I pre-ordered at least what? Well, God, I think I pre. I, I think I'm already up to four or five pre-ordered. So, yeah, I keep going with it, I guess, until that. But, but yeah, I, I need him to pick up the pace. I need him to to make his point or not, because it's it just doesn't. I don't quite sure what this book is, what it's, it's supposed to be yet. All right. We can't go out like that. No, Somebody, we, we absolutely cannot. But we <laughs> we have to go out. So, uh, wow. If, no, right? well, I mean it's time. It's, oh by the time God. we by the time we do our by the time we do our in your travels, <laughs> you get a boo. I get a shut up. It, okay. it'll, <laughs> who got a boo? You oh, did. oh, I got a boo. Yeah, I did. I got a boo. Uh, if you want to get your comics, get them cheap. Get them delivered <laughs> right to your damn door. There's really only one place to go, and that's Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Write these down, please. Write them down. Copra number one from Image. $1.99. Count Crowley, the Reluctant Monster Hunter, number one of four is $1.99. And from DC, Last God, number one is also $1.99. I read something that I thought was pretty damn wonderful. Yeah. Um, only because it uh, it pushed boundaries and it treated people like human beings instead of uh, dicks and vaginas. It's uh, the white trees, number one. Mm-hmm. It's uh, subtitled A Black Sand Tale. Okay, fantasy-based series. Now, you subtitled it A Black Sand Tale. That's a tick in the wind column for me. Written by Chip Zdarsky. Uh, Chris Anka did the line work. Matt Wilson did the color work. It's... Um, it's a story of a uh, an army veteran, a general. Uh, his name is Sir Krylos the Bold, and he abandons all types of warfare after his wife is killed. Um, but one day he becomes a farmer, and which is awesome. And he's 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 tending to his his land, and he gets a summons from the king. And King Farak says. Uh, I got something to tell you. The uh, the Trilonians that were, you know, kind of sort of enemies with. Well, they kidnapped your kid, and uh, two other veterans of the the war are brought in: uh, Sir Scotier of Black Sand and Sir Davlan the Swift. And the these Trilonians have kidnapped 
their children. And so um, Krylos is like, yeah, you know what? Um, I've, I've abandoned all that, that fighting shit. King will take care of it. But the king can't take care of it because if he does, it'll incite a war. So he proposes like, you know, you guys got to do this. And, and um, there's no love between, uh, even though they, they experienced many battles together, there's no love between Davlan and uh, Krylos because when the kids were found, they were together in a cabin. And the parents, uh, they're just like, "What? You know, well, we didn't, mm-hmm. we didn't, we didn't know about this." Um, they, they were a trio of of war heroes, um, and there's this famous Trelax Gate battle. Um, and, but after Krylos's wife died, he puts his sword down, and Davlan believes that in so doing, he abandoned his fellow soldiers, and so he's kind of responsible for the demise of a few of them. But there's a, a a lot of twists to this thing. Um, Davlan is a her suit kind of dog wolf type Wookie creature. He's furry, right? Big guy. Um, turns out that Davlan and Sir Scotiar, they're both male, are now a couple. Mm-hmm. And Davlan was originally married to a woman. And she left him. Her name's Windlow. She left him because he was always doing the battle stuff. He was always out on the field. The marriage crumbled. And now um, Sir Scotiar says, you know what? I, I, you know, your ex-wife, I feel like she thinks I'm okay because we're both members of the same club. Like the, the people that, that uh, Davlin shits on, that he, he calls close, you know? But that's the thing. There's, there's relationships between men and men and men and women in this thing like it doesn't it there's no accounting for gender which is awesome it's just souls right and and there's this cute little back and forth between Davlan and Sir Scotia like they're both hulking he-men you know but they're tender and in some spots and they're it's I just found it very refreshing that it wasn't anything that's done behind closed doors and something to be shunned it's all out in the open and the wife is like oh it's it's your man like that's cool you know but he meets the wife they go to the cabin the this trio they go to the cabin where the kids were abducted and um Davlan's ex-wife is there M- Milona and and she was in on the whole thing like she knew that the two kids were together but she never said anything to the the ex-husband because he you know he wouldn't take it well but there's Trilonian blood on the in the cabin so they follow the blood and this is the cool scene in the well one of the cool scenes um the blood leads them to a place called fallow's gate where they find this gigantic dragon it's this giant fire-breathing guard dog it's got a chain on it it's and so davlin and scoyer they do what they think they should do when they encounter a dragon they start chopping and shooting arrows at it scotiar plugs an eye with an arrow and davlin rushes head on with his giant axe thing and he's batted away and the monster's throwing up fire all over the place and Krylos is just standing there he does he does nothing right and he walks up casually to the creature and the creature levels its head and it's got the eye, the, the arrow sticking out of the eye and they're they're like basically head to head and um he picks up the davlin's dropped weapon and he breaks the chain and the beast just flies away 
And the other two are like, the fuck are you doing? Like, it was a dragon. That was insane for you to do that. But Krylos has this, he, he, he has shunned all that stuff. Like the, it's established earlier in the book where the uh, concern, spiritual concerns are beyond him. He, he knows what he can see. He knows what he can touch and, and he knows his farm and that's all he wants to deal with. Like anything beyond the realm of, of what he can, those, those, um, external stimuli anything that is beyond that he doesn't want to deal with and it's a lot of it's because his wife died right he doesn't want to embrace that those kind of thoughts you know but the thing that got me about this book so it's just it's it's not a standard fantasy book but it is up until you know it's it, all the tropes are there right but there's a sequence that they make camp right and there's this wood nymph that comes out and she she goes they, they tried the the nymph tries to knock them off their quest right and and she's tempting them and there's this full-on orgy in this book like super explicit orgy full penetration men and men men and women women and women women and creatures like it's it's really explicit there's stuff going on oral anal like everything and i was like holy shit because like it comes out of nowhere you don't expect it at all. And there's just like sex all over the page and nothing is obscured. It's all there. And um, uh, what's his name? Scotiar goes into a tent and there's this red demon looking guy uh, there. And his junk is like, it's it's there. It's at attention. And um, Davlan is a woman and a man go up to Davlan. But they're, they're, they're sprites. They're fairy type things. And they go up to, and he he's like going down on the dude while he's feeling up the women. Like there's nothing, nothing is forbidden in this book. And I was like, holy shit! Like that is, that's ballsy. It's risky, and I thought it was great. It was like, why not? It's it's just. But anyway, the 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 glamour doesn't work, and the the quest proceeds apace but i thought like as far as an atypical fantasy book that was very surprising like it takes a lot to surprise me multicolored creatures doing it in this big ball of flesh that's gonna get me you know i haven't seen that before and that's why i enjoyed this issue very much because it took chances and i thought it 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 um it served up all the fantasy tropes that I expected and a whole lot that I didn't, which is, that's a win in in my book. So it's called The White Trees, number one. It's different. Liked it. Did you say who it's by? Yeah, Chip Zdarsky and Chris Anka and Matt Wilson. Nice. Right on. Yeah. Glad you dug it. I am too. I fall in uh, Daft's category on that one. Creative wow. team's a hard sell for me. Okay. I'm surprised uh, you like Anka's art. I gotta be honest. It's wispy. The lines are very thin. Um, Maybe fantasy is 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 where it's at for him, Jason. Because I know we his his superhero stuff, his his mainstream stuff, isn't really doesn't really work for me. So maybe I'm not going to put the image on the. Uh, site because it's it's like i said it's very explicit but if i show you guys the bundle of of human flesh um 
it's just it's just great drawing. Yeah, I mean, listen, maybe maybe this is his his genre. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I well, you know what? Then I will go out on a happy note. I was going to mention American Carnage since it finished, but I'll wait on that. Um, so Teen Titans number thirty-two, which was the second part of Daddy Issues, which was Lobo coming after not necessarily the team, but Crush, um, who he doesn't believe to be his daughter. Uh, she doesn't believe him to be her dad, uh, or her father, rather. But um, the issue by Art Adam Glass and Bernard Chang um, and Marcello... Mayolo, it's it goes by kind of quick. It's definitely it's a Titans book, so they're going to get the upper hand, um, or at least kind of make it look like they do. Even though, as he reminds them in this issue, he's gone toe to toe with Superman. Um, Glass has a pretty good handle on Lobo. It definitely sounded like the main man as he's tearing his kids apart. Um, the uh, the conversation he has with Crush, whether or not, um, you know, he's like, she she has her own chain just like he does. Um, but it kind of, uh, she can control it. And he... Um, he has no idea what the thing is. He's, she tells him, you know, you should know you gave her to me. He's like, kid, I didn't know you even existed until yesterday. I sure as hell didn't give you this thing. And so if if Obelis isn't from Lobo, then that must mean it's from her mother. So she's demanding to know who she is. What did Lobo do to her? And he's like, kid, the main man has spread his tournament of love throughout the galaxy <laughs> for eons. So she slaps, she, she punches him in the jaw, says, that's gross. He's like, ha, huh, that's cute. But I've been toe-to-toe with Superman. You can't hurt. She says, shut up, and kicks him in the nuts. And he falls down to the ground. He says, right in the Franken beans. So they, um, she's threatening him now with death. Tell me who my mother is or you die. She's like, listen, you know, I ain't joking. I don't have a fragging clue who your mom is. And I got more bad news for you. I can't die. So he's like... You, 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 and your friends. You can do whatever you want to me, but I took a contract out on you, Torps, and nothing's going to stop me from finishing the job. So if I can't find you, I'll find your families, your friends, anyone you ever met. I'll keep doing this again and again. And as he's 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 laying it all out to them, um, one of the members, Jin, comes up behind him, does her little magic to Lobo and um she says she changed him. So they um they need to do something with Lobo and because this um this issue was part of the year of the villain tie in with the offer, the issue ends with um Luthor's robot as it's been going throughout his drone as it's been throughout many issues, DC issues, um Last month, uh, the drone finds its way to the moon, 
where that's where Lobo is all chained up because that's where the Titans put him. And the uh, an image of Luther appears saying that um, I'm going to make you an offer. You're going to destroy the Teen Titans and your daughter will help you do it. And that's how this issue ends. But um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't enough Lobo for my liking. But again, the, the, the book is called Teen Titans. So that's you're going to get more team than anything else. Um, they set up some traps for him and they think they, uh, they beat him, but, um, they just have never really come across a character like him. So, um, he ain't easy to, to put down, but, uh, it was, it's, it was a fast paced issue and it all made sense. It, It didn't, um, there wasn't anything that, uh, felt forced or out of place. I didn't, um, I still in a real big fan of this team. This again was carryover from the, uh, the Deathstroke crossover. And of course now that th- then you add Lobo into it. Um, it was hard for me to, uh, sorry to tear me away from, from the title at that point. But, um, now that this story's over, I, I'm not gonna say I can go back to ignoring this comic, but, uh, when Lobo shows back up, I'll, uh, maybe I'll come back, but, um, it was a decent enough, it was weird because it, it wasn't, I was reading it just for Lobo. If, if, if you're a long time Teen Titans reader and you wanted some, some closure or at least some answers for crush, um, and you still didn't get it. Um, I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't, it's, it's weird. I just, I have a certain thing when I think of of the Titans or, or the teen Titans. And, and this, this team isn't really doing it for me. And I mean, I, I hope it is for, for, for others. I, everybody should have a team that they groove to regardless. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was a neat ending for, for a story that uh, I didn't know where it was going. So, um, I'm not sure I'm happy with how Lobo ended up, but considering it's Lobo, it is really the only way he, uh, he could have um, ended up in this story. So there you go. Right on. Uh, before I do my your travel, should we mention the book of the month? We can. I was going to do it uh, before we sign off, so we didn't kill the flow. But but we can do it now if you want. Oh no! I'll just I'll I'll bang mine out quick, and then we can do okay. it. I just want to make sure we didn't forget. Um, in your travels, my book is Boom Studios book uh, this time out. Um, I don't read that many boom books, but uh, creative teams remain to this one. Uh, and that creative team is Kieran Gillen on the writings, Dan Mora on the drawings, mm. and Tamara Bonvillain on the yes. colorings. And that is Once and Future number one. Nice. Now, uh, I know for some of you, uh, you've, you, you've just about finished with the King Arthur uh, uh, reboots. I get it. There's been a lot of them. A lot of them have not been so hot, so I don't blame you if, if your eyes glazed over when you saw the title and uh, and the solicit thought, oh, got a, another modern take on the Arthurian legend. I get that. Now, I haven't liked the Arthurian legend a lot, and that plus the creative team was enough for me to give this a try, but I fully went into it thinking I could have been one and done, but I'm happy to say I am not one and done because while this does involve the Arthurian legend, it is a much different and fresh take. This is not a story about some uh, Arthurian analog finding Excalibur and turning into a hero to fight a bad guy. Um, It's pretty much flipping the script. Um, 
the scabbard of Excalibur is discovered in an archaeological dig. That scabbard has its own powers. It's imbued with its own powers. A An old lady, uh, like a senior citizen, is <laughs> made aware of this. She she calls her grandson, who's her only living relative, and says, hey, I need your help. And so he breaks up off a date to go and help her. And she's in the woods, and he's like, Grandma, what's going on? She digs into the She's digging in the woods and she she's digging up a giant cache of weapons ranging from like missile launchers to Uzis to swords. And it turns out that uh, old grandma back in her day used to be quite the badass uh, monster hunter. And she mentions to her grandson that she used to kill vampires. And he's like, what? And uh, anyway, bottom line is she is is she has been made aware that somebody or some group of people is trying to. Uh, get Excalibur not to be a hero, but to bring back King Arthur. And her grandson's like, well, that's great. I like King Arthur. He's a hero. And she's like, oh, he's a sweet boy. So in this book, basically, King Arthur is being turned into a force of of evil and uh, and apocalyptic level evil. And uh, seemingly this nice old granny and her grandson are the only things that are going to stand in the way of uh, of 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 King Arthur coming back and wrecking, wrecking shit. So um, I thought it was great, and um, we just talked about Dan Mora a few months ago with the Buffy reboot. I, I, I'm a massive fan of this guy's art. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes, I mean yes. he he is just crispy and clean. You know he is he is a perfect superhero uh, artist. Uh, this is not a superhero book, but I just mean like just beautiful people rendered wonderfully. Um, yeah, I'm just a, I'm a big big fan of Mora. Uh, haven't ever met him at a con yet, but I sure would like to. Um, and I think Kieran is an excellent writer, so uh, definitely on board on this. Um, once in future. Yeah, it's on stack. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. And I know for Vince, he hears Arthurian legend. He's like, <sighs> No, I like the art on this. Looks good. Yeah, yeah Mora. Well, I know you like Mora, but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll keep you posted. I'll let you know if you should read it, boo. <laughs> what was the um what's the, um Cullen wrote uh, for Aftershock, didn't he write um where it, it things diverted the timeline that things were a little askew. Merlin wasn't uh who he appeared to be, or he was he was possessed. I think we read the first issue, Vince. But it was it was it was a while ago. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. The art was pretty the art was gritty, the art looked nice, but it was yeah, it was it was about I think that was the last thing I read that had to do with um, the Arthurian legend. But um, you have until Saturday, patrons, to pick, to make your vote for August's book of the month. Your 11 choices for this month. Uh, Dead Man, book five. Electra Assassin. Goldfish. Grumble, volume one. You're the dog now, man. The Homeland Directive, Lobo by Keith Giffen and Alan Grant, Volume 1, Planetary Volume 2, The Fourth Man, Point Blank, The Spire, Will Eisner's The Spirit, Volume 1, The Spirit Returns, and X-Factor, Volume 1, The Longest Night. Sweet. How's how's the voting looking? Or you don't want to spill that? Uh... Well, it's um. There is one that it's there's there's one book that has a pretty decent lead. Oh, Every sorry. everything has 
everything's been voted on. Um, I can't. Yeah, it's I, I I I would be very surprised if something came back and took the lead, but um, nothing is really everything that's in behind first place are, are things that um, that I want my reading and uh, and whichever one of you picked the one, um, I, I would really. I wouldn't mind that because it's it's been a while since we read the first volume. I think it'd be to, to revisit. So yeah, but um, yeah, there is there there is one that's uh, that's in the lead, and we'll see if it stays that way till Saturday. Nice. If we do, then I'll have to dig out my first edition somewhere here. So. I assume Vince has every page memorized. So <laughs> <laughs> we should see if we can have him on for it. It's a good. That would be dope. That would be dope. Well, he tells me I'll send him raising the bar here, right? Hey, everybody! Thank you for listening to this here thing. We'd like to thank uh, Michelle Fife for doing it with us. If you would like more of this, go to uh, any of the social medias, really: Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Facebook. Uh, we're knee deep in a lot of them, and we would like to wade with you. So come with Open us. Them guts. Yep. Um. I don't know what else to say other than say goodnight. I should drop a bottle like I did before. That was super professional. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Here's another bit point. Bling. (sighs) Ding, ding, ding. David. Uh, At least you didn't drop it when Michelle was on. That was. No. I was was glad you were classy enough for that. Yeah, that was not dropping it like it's hot. (laughs) David. Hmm. There you go. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. You don't. don't That's why I just sprinkled it around you for you. Just join us here next week or next time, I should say, because you never know. You never know. Sneak up on you. Yep. Like a virus. We'll be uh, we'll be here waiting for you because we love you so much. (laughs) Bye. Latest.